three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, I promised you last week when it was April Fools that we're going to miss that weekend's episode, but we're back with an all new guest and all new me. So I've got a little bit of a stubble, and the guest that I've got today is 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 one of a kind because um, you don't really get to have. conversations with the person who makes it you usually have conversations with the people who consume it more often and at the same time this is not an individual who um, i would say i've had more than five sit downs or five conversations with but every conversation that i've had it's felt like hey he's like a bro i've known for a while maybe i don't know his personal life details but when we talk when we vibe it's like hey he's like a bro like we speak every other day we grab a hamburger every other day so um that's where it is at and without much ado let's bring him in mr karan nagpal all the way from the british isles welcome to the early night show thank you thank you thank you, thank you so much for having me on man and uh, as we were discussing before this uh, my first appearance on such, on on such a platform which i am tremendously excited about so i took your podcast virginity away <laughs> that's one way to put it i like it um karan um without wasting any time or without spending time on formalities because that's not something we expect of each other even though we're nice to each other why don't you go ahead take the time to introduce uh who you are what you're currently doing and where you're based out of right so name's karan as i'm listed and i am based in edinburgh just now uh been here for 5 years uh came here to do my masters in brewing and distilling uh with my uh wife who was my girlfriend then uh she was studying regenerative medicine and in fact was the reason that i came here and she was the reason that i even found the course that i started doing uh finished the course found a job in a couple of bars uh ran a very successful craft beer bar for a while and i'm now representing a brewery called overton uh based in glasgow uh as a sales rep and it is probably the dream job uh so i've been doing that for about 6 months now and hoping to hell to get out of this lockdown which we've been in for well over a year mm. um let's take a let's let's i want to i want to explore the past a little bit before we get into the present mm-hmm. and the future so what got you there um how, you said you mentioned it was 5 years ago like almost half a decade and uh, before we get into that what is the citizenship like thing over there like do you have to spend time working etc yeah so because we spent the first year as students that doesn't count into trying to get any uh, any kind of permanent residence here so we are looking at 2023 when this visa that we're currently on expires at which point because my wife is an entrepreneur uh we can set up because she's created jobs we can get uh, a permanent residence uh fantastic in, in okay which we're trying to do yep fantastic now i don't want this uh, podcast to be about ishani because i'm pretty sure in the future 15 <laughs> episodes from now me and her and you might have a podcast about what she's doing but maybe since you've spoken a little bit you want to just quickly introduce in two three sentences what she's up to there which got yeah, you there um, it's ab- ab- absolutely phenomenal so uh, she was studying regenerative medicine which is effectively uh, trying to understand stem cells and how they work uh, and while doing like this project that she was given uh, 
in in university, uh, she came up with an idea for a product, which just quickly snowballed into what is her company just now, uh, which is producing these microchips, uh, which recreate the cancer uh, environment. And what that allows companies to do is test drugs on them, but much quicker, far more accurate, far cheaper than the current models will allow. And it also completely negates uh, animal testing. Holy moly. So she's... Yeah. She's literally it's and everything, man. It's absolutely genius. She's spearheading what could be a massive uh, 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 mindset shift, not just mindset shift, technological and mindset shift in the medical space, right? Yeah, it's 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 paradigm shifting completely. It's it's a billion dollar industry that's going to be turned on its head, which is uh, <laughs> having said it in those those words just makes it a little more uh, real. But yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal work that she's been doing. That's really good to hear. And how did that that get you to to or how did how did her making the decision? Hey, I want to do this. Lead you to deciding. Hey, I want I want to probably join her and both of us could study together wherever we are studying yeah. right now. Uh, well, as it always has been, uh, we've been together ten years, I think now. But as it always has been, she's the one been driving the boat. It's from from day one. Uh, we we were in fact like I think we were yeah seventeen and eighteen at the time. Uh, chatting away you know as as teenagers do uh, this is in cottons just, when you were in bishop cottons yeah, yeah. Uh, well no this was when i was in jain uh, i did my puc there um, and yeah, ha- having a chat in the middle of the night at some point and she just goes uh, are you ever going to ask me out or not so I'm, fuck i was going to but now you now, now that you've done that is uh, yeah would you like to go out with me uh, and then i can't, you can't take another <laughs> tangent there <laughs> no at that point there's nothing nothing you can do <laughs> Uh, yeah, so from from that point on, it's been she she has been kind of driving the boat, and I've just taken the back seat very very happily. Uh, she's inspirational, uh, as you'll find out as as you interact with her as well. Uh, so when she finished her uh, undergrad, which was at Pesit, uh, I was finishing up at Christ, uh, doing my hospitality uh, management course. So she went, you know what, I'm I'm going to Edinburgh. There's this stem cell course that just looks amazing. I'm I'm gonna go. Are you coming? I said, what the fuck am I gonna do there? <laughs> she said, okay, wait, give me five minutes. Hangs up, goes, does a little bit of research, comes back, and she's like, You like alcohol, don't you? I was like, Yeah. Wanna make that into a career? Yeah. Yeah, there's a master's brewing and distilling in Edinburgh. Do you wanna come now? <laughs> <laughs> and it was e- easiest decision I've ever made. <laughs> Fantastic! I, I love the hustle, dude. That is a that yeah, is a hustle. She's she she's she's very very uh, straightforward and very uh, strong-minded, strong-willed, and it's just been one easy decision after another to follow her. Got it. So, what did you so, do after uh, that? What decisions you made, yeah. and then tell us a little bit about what you studied, how your education. Yeah. Was. Take the time. Take the next so, fifteen minutes. Uh, it start started off obviously with. Uh, Christ, but prior to that, uh, I had actually attempted to move to Lavasa. So I started my hospitality course there, but due to circumstances working out the way that they did, I ended up coming back to Bangalore. And obviously didn't want to waste an entire year of my life waiting for, you know, Christ or whatever else to start up and give me an opportunity. So I worked with my dad 
who uh, runs hotels, bars, restaurants. All over Shilton, the if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. So it's uh, Shilton Hotels that he started off in, what was it, 2005? Fucking hell, it's been about 15 years. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> 16 years, damn. Yeah, that's, that's a long, long, long time. Uh, I, I actually remember, distinctly remember how much of an inspiration it was to watch him setting up that first hotel. Like he'd leave the house at seven in the morning, come back at midnight. And that was the kind of work ethic that, that stuck in my head. Like, oh, if, if he's doing that, then I, I must as well. Like, it's just so natural. It came so naturally to me to, to, to see him just work his ass off every single second of every day. Uh, so he, he organically grew that one hotel to five more, uh, turned that into Watson's, turned that into Puma, turned that into now there's uh, Magari, which is a furniture, furniture wholesaler. Yeah. Oh, is your family involved with the Magari, Watson's, etc.? Yep. Uh, dad's a partner at Watson's, founding partner at Watson's, founding partner at Magari, founding partner at the Puma Social Club, founding partner at Shilton. Uh, runs the accounts for every single one of them. He's bloody rain man. He can look at he, he, he can look at these numbers and just make things happen. He's absolutely unbelievable. And he's not even a certified CA. He's just good at numbers. He's just mm. good at pinching costs while still keeping quality at that level. And it all comes from the hands-on he had while building Shilton Grounds Up. Yeah. It's pretty much every brick was laid under his supervision. Mm. And it was just such a phenomenal thing to see grow without pumping in any extra money. They've managed to grow the company the way that he has. It was such a massive inspiration to be firstly watching that from, you know, being 14, 15 years old to then the opportunity of working with him for nearly a year. And that was absolutely life-changing for me. Uh, waking up six in the morning, going, setting up breakfast, going and, and it was never, you know, boss ka beta hai jo bhi karlo. It was never like that. It was, yes, you know, swept, swept the floors, mopped the floors, carried luggage for all the cost, the, the, the guests that came in, uh, washed the dishes day in, day out, just every little bit of every, little sector that we had in that hotel, I had to know everything from the ground up. From bellboy to doorsman, everything. Everything. Like there was nothing that was considered a task too small. Hmm. I had to know. The, the, the idea was I had to know how everything needed to be done to perfection so that I could tell someone if they were doing it wrong. And that that, that was, you know, my... My dad ensured that I knew that from day one. Like you were not going to have an easy ride. It wasn't going to be that you're just going to put on a suit, go and sit there and while away your time. Which uh, I think instilled in me a deep desire to to keep getting better, to keep learning, to keep while while also ensuring that there's there's there's, there's always this idea of growth personally and like for a career. So I spent the entire year uh, working at the one in Kormangla, which is which was 54 rooms, uh, a restaurant, a bar, a big banquet hall. Uh, so got to got to do a lot of events in there as well, which was tremendous fun. Uh, and yeah, so at, at the end of that year, uh, there was an option of either continuing doing what I was doing or putting that kind of degree degree on it, putting that chart and saying, okay, at least he's now qualified to do something. 
socially accepted. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, you, you know what people are going to say, right? Because, oh, he's just working with his dad. He got it easy. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm putting 80 hours in in a week. No one's going to fucking care. It is. Hmm. He's just family business. He just got the yeah. family business. Yeah. He's, he's a lazy fuck. And I obviously didn't want that. Uh, did not want that impression at all. So, okay, let me go fuck about in college for a while. Uh, join Christ. Uh, which was a bizarre experience to say the least. Particularly after coming in from like a professional environment where everything is so... Uh, it's cutthroat. It's curt. It's, it's very real. It's very raw when you're working in the industry, particularly hospitality. And then to try and teach someone that level of hospitality or that level of professionalism in a university and one like Christ, the juxtaposition was hilarious that first few months. I just could not get over it. Uh, the, from, from, from every little silly thing of not being able to hug your friend because fucking some security guy's going to beat the shit out of you in Christ versus uh, simple things like not being able to wear fucking jeans when you wanted to or you know just such arbitrary archaic rules that that popped up which don't doesn't really translate into the real world yeah they won't teach you how to fold napkins and plate your table like a professional, but they'll be like, wear your suit and tie every day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, but they, they, they taught us that fine. The, the department yeah. itself was fantastic. Oh, that's good to hear. Our, that's good our, to professors, hear. our professors were excellent. Uh, our course was brilliant. We actually learned things that we wanted to learn. Uh, we learned things that we should have learned. But it was because it was in this bubble of Christ where some father somewhere has decided that you can't have popsicles in fucking university because it's phallic. I shit you not, that was actually banned. Like, the, what? <laughs> That's not a thing. And, in, and inside of that bubble, we were able to do whiskey tastings and beer tastings, which was just, we were the badasses on campus because of that. Mm. You were able to drive your car in, like all the way. <laughs> We had so much shit in the car all the time because we had some event or we had some raw material or we had some ingredients. We had something going on all the time. So I think we we did kind of transcend the nonsense of Christ a little bit, which uh, I think was a lot of fun being, being able to rub that into people's faces. And we were always the best dressed as well because you get to wear whatever the fuck tie you want, and but you wear a full suit every single time. And it was great fun. Uh, yeah, the, the four years there was both enlightening, uh, learned a lot, but at the same time, it could be very, very frustrating because of, like I said, the environment that it was yeah. around. The department itself was absolutely tremendous, uh, and I wouldn't, wouldn't trade a single day of it. I totally understand, yeah. So then, uh, so the conversation with Ishani where she said, uh, dude, let's go to Edinburgh, did that happen yeah. post-Christ or while you were still in Christ? Post, we'd, we'd finished. Okay. We'd finished up and we were thinking about, you know, like, what the hell to do next. Uh, and at that point... This is 2016? Yeah. 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 It was early 2016 by the time we were making the decisions. Uh, and at that point, I was going... Uh, the naive uh, person in me, rather, was going, 
oh yeah, I'm just going to join some, you know, giant hotel and see if I can run the F&B department and go in and fully suited every day, fully clean shaved every day, cutting short hair and everything. Uh, with, with, there, there, there was a part of me that was exposed to beer and that was done uh, firstly through traveling, which I was very lucky that my father took me to all, all over Europe. I went all over Australia, went all over Scandinavia and that was in that four, four year period. Which four year period uh, is this? This is 2012 to 16. Whoa, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, so this was absolutely perfect because at that point I am, I'm getting exposed to world cuisine. I'm getting exposed to craft beer. I'm getting exposed to flavor profiles. I'm getting exposed to some incredible hotels, uh, which my dad never skimped out on. We, we, we stayed on the bloody 30th floor in Paris with Fair. Eiffel Tower. It was like unreal. Uh, the, the kind of things he spoiled me with was unreal. Uh, we spent a month traveling uh, Scandinavia. We spent a month traveling uh, Australia. Was it just dad and you? No, uh, it was with my brother, with my mom. Oh, family, uh, basically a family yeah, trip. Yeah. Full, full, full family trips. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd do one a, one a year and we'd go for two, three, four weeks. Uh, and it was absolutely unreal, uh, the, 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 the exposure that that gave me. Uh, in fact, there is this 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 one very um, sharp memory almost of landing in Paris, fucking, what was it, 12, 14 hours traveling. Uh, this would have been 2000, yeah, 2012. Uh, took a train straight to Nice because we were staying in Nice the first, uh, first night. Absolutely knackered. We've gone in, we've, we've all changed. We said, okay, we'll meet up in a few, few hours. Like everyone get a little bit of time. So me and my brother in one room, my parents in, in their own. So I look at my brother, I'm like, oh, they've given us a little bit of coin. Let's, let's just go. Let's, let's go see something and come back. Fine. So we walk about. First bar we find. Fuck it. Let's go in. Let's go. Let's go have a drink. Walk in. And never been to a bar outside of India. Ever. Walk into it. Everything's unfamiliar. <laughs> I'm used to fucking KF. Not a single thing makes any sense to me. I have no, not even an inkling of, 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 of what these different beers might be, uh, whether I should be fucking ordering in French or not. Uh, no clue at all. So I just walk up to the bar and I spy the Guinness logo. Ooh. And it's, it's iconic. You know what it is. Was it Guinness on tap? Do they serve Guinness yeah, on tap? on draft. A lot, a lot, a lot of Guinness on draft. Uh, so at that point, we've we've already been to Arbor, we've been to Toit, we've tried some stouts, we know what that feels like, we know what that tastes like, we know what it's supposed to look like, so it's not going to shock me when it pours black liquid out. Yeah, yeah, you'll be like, wait, what the fuck, God. Yeah. So, um, so some idea of what a stout is, some idea of what other beer styles might be. Uh, I'd met, in fact, someone who was going to influence me a couple of years down the line, Logan at Arbor. Uh, uh, so I'd met him already once. Uh, and I'd had a couple of weird random brews at Arbor, and I, Fallen in love with it already. And then I'm like, what the hell is this? Guinness, I know what that is. Can I please have a pint of that? Yeah, of course. The whole, the, the romance behind pouring it halfway, putting it down, letting it settle, topping it up. I'm just watching this. I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, why, why am I not getting my pint straight away? Didn't question it, obviously. Um, I saw it. Okay, she's putting the tap this way, this way, doing all the random shit with fucking beer. 
puts it in front of me. And it's the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. You see the, you, have you ever seen a Guinness when it does that kind of surge? Yeah, yeah. So what's happening there is uh, a little sciencey on that. So there's very tiny bubbles because they use nitrogen rather than carbon dioxide. Okay, for so, the, the fizz. For Guinness, yeah, for Guinness in particular. Oh, so okay. they have patented this, uh, pro- well, not process at least, but uh, this Formula? dispense method. Okay. Yeah, it's a dispense method where instead of using just straight up carbon dioxide, they use a 70-30 blend of uh, nitrogen and carbon dioxide. Whoa. So the, bu- the bubbles are way smaller. So what happens when you pour that in is the smaller bubbles are going up to the top and creating that thick Guinness head. But because of that effect, it's creating this cascade. So the, the, the bubbles right on the edges of the glass are moving downwards. That's why it looks like it's moving downwards. So oh. you see the surge that Guinness creates. It comes from the nitrogen. And it is the sexiest thing you can see. So it's almost like a, the bubbles are in cycle. The ones in the edge going yeah. down, the one in the middle is coming up. Yeah, that's exactly it. But because they're so much smaller, they don't work like CO2, where you can see each single bubble going up and down like that, which you can sometimes see if you're holding up a, a lager particularly, but they're so clear. It's very easy to see that one bubble kind of float yeah, down. Yeah, one yeah. It's kind of doing it very slowly. But because of all of this being so jam-packed in there, it's happening much quicker. And it's happening in a much smaller scale. It looks more so you, frothy than bubbly. Mm-hmm. And you can see it kind of build that head. And I've never seen anything like that in my fucking life. This is in 2012. You're in Paris yeah. for the first time. And you're getting yep. poured business for the first time. And you're having this experience. Yep. Yeah. And in my head, I'm going, wow, that looks incredible. What the fuck? I've never seen a bear with head like that. I've never seen that fucking cascade before. And she's done the whole thing, you know, like Guinness marketing at its absolute best. <laughs> supposed to pour it for 90 seconds. You're supposed to straighten it, let it settle for another 90 seconds and then pour it backwards. So you get more nitrogen in there. And then you can see this kind of romance behind it. Like there's a very specific angle and time and all of that. And they, they train you. Like Guinness will send people to train bartenders on how to pour these drinks properly. Like Guinness in particular does this. Do they do, do it in India as well? Do they do it in India as well? In India, where do you even get Guinness on draft? I think Mumbai you do. So in theory, yeah, they should be able to. I haven't fucking been to Mumbai ever. So I wouldn't actually be able to tell you. Uh, but I would assume that they would because Diageo and uh, the bigger companies like that do have an influence in India. They have a very large influence in India. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are sending people over to like, kind of train people how to do it. And they'll make sure that if it's only one place in India, they'll make sure that the standard is absolutely oh, yeah. the best. 100%. So uh, Karnataka has, again, very stupid archaic laws. So you can't actually have different beers on draft in Karnataka, which is changing now. Uh, but you can't have, say, uh, Arbor, you know, keg something in Bangalore and send it to Watson's on draft. Oh, you can't do You can't that. have things like that. No, you can't keg. It has to come straight from your bright beer tank. It has to go straight into your, your tank. That's why you don't find Arbor Package. or Toyota or anyone else anywhere else. You find that you, you might find the cans now because it's being made in Goa and then sent over. So Goa has uh, Goa's laws are yeah, Goa's laws are amazing. You can set up whatever the fuck you want, you can do it however you want, you can bottle it, you can can it, you can keg it. Even Maharashtra is the same, even Delhi is now the same. Where you can have a tap room in Mumbai where 20 other brew pubs are sending you beer. Kegged. No issues. But in Bangalore, you can't do that. Now okay. that's starting to change. Okay. So that b- because I was drinking only in Bangalore, I only knew the two or three places that you could go to and have a drink. In Bangalore. Hmm. Yeah. 
I had heard that Guinness is available in Mumbai, but I never been. Got it. It's still not available in Bangalore on tap anywhere. Guinness, right? Not that I'm aware of. No. Got it. Again, my my information might be a little bit uh, outdated. You could say outdated slightly. Mm-hmm. I try to keep a track. Uh, I'm on every single forum of every single person talking about any kind of craft beer in India. <laughs> I try to keep a track of it. I am on social media quite often, and mostly because of this. It's partly because of work, and it's partly because I want to know what's going on everywhere, all at all times. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, and with 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 alcohol, particularly in India, your information will come only from social media. Yeah. You can't have ads. You can't have people talking about it. You can't have someone saying they're a home brewer. You can't have someone saying this. You can't have someone saying that. Yeah. So everything's going to be on social media. You never know who might rat you out in a WhatsApp group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are WhatsApp groups, but everyone's careful. Who's getting added? Why is he getting added? Where is he getting added from? Is he coming through a reference for someone? Got it. They've even changed the name. It used to be Bangalore Home Brewers. Now it's some um, what was it? Bangalore Hoppiness or something? <laughs> they can't even use the word Home Brewers anymore. They're scared to do that. Mm-hmm. Which which is a like crying shame. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Why the fuck would you allow killing an art form? Yeah, it's very prohibitive to creative people as well, which is really annoying. So it's good that you went there. Anyways, yeah, as you were talking yeah. about the Guinness, uh, yeah. So I have my first sip, and you know, if you, if you watch movie Ratatouille, yeah, ego closes eyes when he has something, and it's like explosions everywhere. That was that was me the first time I had a sip of Guinness. The sparks and firecrackers, everything just exploding in my head, going, "What the fuck, man? How the hell do I make this? I want to know." So that that little kida was there already. Hmm. That I want to know. Even if I don't do it, even if it doesn't turn into a career, I want to know how the fuck did they do that. So go back home, and I've now met a few people while you know networking around in in Abba. I've met some home brewers. I've met some other professional brewers. I then met uh, a dear friend who unfortunately passed ago, John Epen, who. again one one of the very influential uh kind of people in my life at that point uh so he was running a company called tales of froth which set up this facebook group and got a lot of like minded people together he was working with home brewers he was working with professional brewers he was doing events he was collaborating with abba he was collaborating with three monkeys he knew everyone he was writing articles about it like he was he was a pioneer for craft beer in india let alone just bangalore but in india john ebert he yeah uh so he had spent his life predominantly in canada but he had worked a lot with he was a pilot but he had worked a lot with beer and then he decided to move back to india and uh, honestly he he shot the industry 5 years ahead when he did that mm-hmm. it was it was the best thing that could have happened to craft beer in india that was the amount of influence that he had he was a he was a father of it he was a pioneer of it for a long time um and so i i started kind of an unofficial internship nice while still at christ uh so i started writing for him i was i was always obsessed with uh with writing with 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 the written word in general from when i was maybe 12 so this was fantastic to be able to do you know so, something this different so i'd spent all my time with him going to new brew pubs opening up going to new bars opening up and we'd sit there we take a few pictures we try everything make our notes and go sit in his house and yeah type up everything and send them across so he introduced me to uh, a couple of very dear friends of mine Karthik and Vivek 
who were at the time helping uh, home brewers find equipment, find grains, find hops, and trying to help us sort sort all of that out. Uh, so I did my first couple of home brews uh, then. So this would have been what 20 14 15 14-ish, I think it was. Uh, so I'm homebrewing a little bit. I'm trying to get into you know recipes and I'm working with these guys that are just at the forefront of everything, these pioneers that are working. Uh, the, the, some of them were just homebrewers, but the rest of them were professional brewers. And I was getting a chance to to go and do tastings with them, and I was going to people's houses and trying all their homebrews. Really eye-opening, really good fun. Uh, and then through Christ, you were supposed to do uh, an actual internship. Uh, so obviously everyone's going into Leela and Taj and ITC. And I go up to my HOD and I go, uh, I'm going to Abba. He says, no, you're not. I said, why? I can't, can't let you go there. It's, it's what are you going to learn? I said, firstly, I'm going to learn brewing. And it's also a 10,000 square foot restaurant. Yeah, it's a damn good restaurant. I can learn that too. You yeah. want me to be in the kitchen? I'll be in the kitchen for some time. I can learn that too. <laughs> lots, lots of arguing later. Uh, they did bulk finally, which I think was great because they did that for me. The next few years, a lot of people worked at Toit. They worked at Arbor. They went to other places. So it kind of it it did help kind of break that stereotype of like, oh no, you can't you, you can't work at these like silly places. No, it's not a silly place. You're learning a lot. So go try it. Gone are the uh, ICs. I, I, I think these silly places have become the new norms, right? I think so. Mm. And that's a great thing. Because there's this, in, in hospitality, there's this kind of blinded view of, yeah, if, if you're in hospitality, you have to become either a very, very good chef or you have to work in some big hotel. Or the third option is what your auntie will say when you say you're studying hospitality. You want to become a cook? That was I see. Yeah. Just like what you want to be a waiter? Why do you have to go to college to study that? It's like, no, there's there's a lot more to it. And what, what, what made it even more awkward is when I finally did end up working at Arbor. You had to put on the same uniform as everyone else. You had to go and serve people. So I did it. I was doing that at what is effectively one of the most famous places in Bangalore. So everyone used to go there. What, what the fuck are you doing? Dude? You're spending so much money and paying, paying four lakhs to fucking Christ. You're sitting here and you're fucking serving me my lunch now. Like, what the hell is you fucking... What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Which, obviously, no one saw behind that. I'm sitting and I'm, I'm talking to Logan 24-7. I'm trying to figure out how he's making all that beer. I'm working on the social media side of it. You're getting hands Yes, on. I'm serving everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm serving also. But at the same time, I'm learning everything. I'm making those cocktails. I'm learning that. I'm working in the kitchen. I'm working in the brewery. I'm I'm reading all the books that these guys are giving me. Yeah, it was 18 hour days, but I fucking loved it. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so I am serving you your lunch, dude. It doesn't matter. Five years from now, I'll be doing what I want to do. You'll still be working at that fucking dead end job that you don't like. Yeah. It's a crazy stigma, right? When yeah. people you've gone to college with or school with, you know, cottons and stuff, they're like, hey, what are you doing now, Macha? Hey, hey, what are you doing? Bro, they, they started ignoring me, man. It's really fucked up. Because mm. I was working at Arbor. I think it was around the same time I had gone for an OC ball. These fuckers are ignoring me there, dude. That's really fucked up, yeah. That was damn weird. I was just like, so what? Yeah. There's no small job. I'm learning. It's good. I'm doing what I want to do. 
and you have all my respect for that you know like telling <laughs> I'm, i'm not kidding because uh, you have all my respect for that because um there was a time of my life also because for the people who have joined who don't know nathpal and i karan and i went to the same college we were in the same college right cms i did go cms i went to uh, which was it uh, hey jc rose jc rose jc rose Okay, so my classmate, uh, my <laughs> my batchmate in CMS, Adi, who was the guest in episode two, is very close friends with Karan. So I know yeah, Karan fuck. through Aditya. He's he's probably my first friend, dude. <laughs> so we've, we've known each other since we were yeah, fucks. We've known each other since we were four. I think he is genuinely my first friend. <laughs> so you see the connection, right? So uh, I still remember. Um, I don't remember this place, didn't we? I don't remember where we met first time. I don't re- really recall where we met. Uh but I recall it was uh you Arjun Bandari, myself, Aditya and a few other people and just a little yeah and just a little insight for the people who are listening to this side of Karan's story. Uh I still remember there's this party these boys used to host. Uh <laughs> New Year's party, right? New Year's party I think that yes. used to be right. Oh god, those used to be so much fun. Uh, so I've always wanted to uh, visit these New Year's parties, but at that point of t- time in my life, the one year that that I knew Karan and I was like I was gonna go, is the one year that I was you know in the forests of India living as a hermit. Oh shit! Yeah. So I don't know if you if you know that. I but, didn't know this. Yeah. So my entire twenty. Uh, 20- so I dropped out of college. I've not finished my college yet. Mm-hmm. So twenty fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I was like you know just living like a hippie all over wherever I could. You know, living homeless oh, for a lot of cases. Yeah. So during that phase of my life also because I decided not to work and I just wanted to you know mm-hmm. live uh, a lot of people I knew disconnected me from their life so I really connect to what you're saying with regards to you know people judging you and uh, disconnecting you from their life that's where I was coming to like I connect to that because yeah. I made a tough decision at that point of time that I don't know who I am and I don't know why I exist and I want to explore that mm-hmm. and today I'm, I have a fantastic career. I would say I'm. I would say compared to a lot of my peers who used to judge me back then, I would say I'm doing a lot, a much better than a lot of them. And I would say that uh, I would not be like in 2016 if I had asked myself, "Anvay, can I be an account director slash manager in an advertising agency?" Oh, fuck, mad over. Like I just want to like smoke my J and chill. But now it's like uh, even on weekends, I'm sorting out escalations for a client based in Dubai and willingly doing it because I love love the hustle. So it took me those five six years of being in the dirt and ignoring society to dis- realize that while I want to have my personal freedom and explore my the spiritual side in my own on, on my own space, I also want to have the money to be able to live a fantastic life. Like I want to meditate in the mountains, but at the same time have a have a room with like nice heating and food. So that's what made me decide. A little bit of know, peace of mind. A little bit of peace of mind as well, right? While you're getting that peace of mind, you need some other backup I need, also. I need that. I, I, I need I need hot water and plumbing after a meditation <laughs> session. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, that's when I decided, from my mindset point of view, that. Uh, I want to work. I want to build my career. I want to be in the grime of the city, not get tainted by it. Like not become one of those egotistical managers, you know, who play power play and shit. Like even today, like the two girls who work under me, they love working for me, even though I'm like very hard on them because I'm very honest. So mm. I get exactly where you're coming from when you say that 
you know i did the dirt like i i put on a waiter's shirt because my dad used to do that when he started his <laughs> restaurant and that's what gave my dad the insight if i hire a waiter is he doing what i want him to do and i see that in you and fuck the people who have said fuck you to you they don't deserve to be part of your life is what i feel oh 100% where, where the hell did you end up going for those couple of years uh, <laughs> i didn't even know you did this yeah yeah i did uh, in fact there were times when my mom had reached out to adi saying where's my son can you please tell me oh, shit. yeah <laughs> you can ask adi if you ever get ever get yeah yeah Um, unfortunately we don't catch up as often as we should we keep trying to fucking set up zoom calls with like this is three four of us that are still like really really tight so it's it's bharatwaj uh, our friend rehan who i think you might have met a couple of times uh badri who badri and sumant also i think you've met a couple of times probably possibly yeah, yeah. i think so possibly, uh, but yeah. it's just like it's, it's just the four of us that have this little group on on uh, whatsapp and we try to fucking get something involved every single time it just doesn't work Everyone's gotten too busy now. Yeah, around nearly thirty, dude. Fuck, nearly thirty, dude. <laughs> There was a time we were, you had your, new, we had the New Year's party, OC ball, and now we are like, holy yeah. shit, career, life, savings. <laughs> what the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? Like, yeah, you, 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 you look back on it, and you're like, yeah, I, yesterday I had a conversation about how I'm going to save up for a house. <laughs> where, how did this become this so quickly? Where, where the fuck did the time go? Where did my <laughs> where did my what am I going to have for breakfast tomorrow become when am I going to start planning for us <laughs> Yeah I I remember this 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 brilliant thing my dad had told me once he's like you know what happens when you're in when when you're this young the days they tend to drag on feels like everything's going on forever but those years will fly by you won't even yeah. realize it And now now I'm starting to realize that was actually very very true at that point I thought he was just giving some bashan Yeah, but <laughs> this is very, very bloody true, man. When we were young, we'd be like, "When will I have the freedom?" And then yeah. five years later, we're like, "Wait, when did I grow up?" <laughs> no, but what, also, what happened to that freedom? I still don't have it. <laughs> it's still working. Yeah, no, um, we're, we're very lucky. We both got jobs and careers that we really enjoy. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's good. It's an absolute blessing. Uh, so I, yeah, I've never. You, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I've never taken a job that I. Didn't want. Knew that I didn't. That I wasn't going to enjoy, and I've taken great pride in that. Uh, I will apply to fifty thousand jobs, but I will only take the one that I know I'm going to like. I will struggle and struggle and struggle, and I will beg people, and I'll sit on my knees, and I'll work for less money, and I'll do whatever else I need to do. But I cannot wake up in the morning thinking, "Oh shit, another day of work." Ah, uh, mm, mm. I need to wake up and go, "Yes, today I get to do this." Hmm. So how how about you tell us a little bit about uh, college and what led to Overtone? Yeah, fuck, yeah. Um, long time. Um, <laughs> so, so I think the last uh, story we left out left off as well at was you guys decided you want to go to Edinburgh and yeah. Uh, how did the Edinburgh story start? What happened there? Yeah. So uh, having worked at Arbor now, uh, this was. now coming into my last year i've specialized in food and beverage service i've focused heavily on uh beer as much as i can because it's something that i really like uh, i've picked up as many books as i possibly could i've asked people what books i should be reading what books i should be buying and i'm trying to understand the science behind it now trying to understand everything behind it uh and as i said ishani had pointed out that there was a course that i could go and do a masters in brewing and distilling I said, "Wow, that sounds incredible." 
straight away email, CV, cover letter, purpose letter, whatever they want. Fucking everything's been typed out, written down. I've stayed up all night fucking working on it. Send it straight away to the Harriet Watt University. Harriet Watt University. Yeah. Here in Edinburgh. Uh, and I get an email back the next day. Resounding no. Really? Yeah. They're like, what? No, it's an engineering course, dude. You've done hospitality. Why the fuck are you going to let you do a master's in brewing and distilling? You're going to flunk out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I go, oh shit, now what do I do? Fuck. Right. Uh, you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have this, and this is why we can't do it. So they're going to go, fucking, okay, I can talk my way out of that. I can bullshit my way through that. Oh, but I've, done, I've, I've studied that. I've learned that on my own, but I've learned it. Long email back. I'm like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. Please let me do it. No. Fuck. We went to, uh, who's helping us at the time? We went to Edel, what is it? Edelweiss, I think it's called. Edelweiss. Mm-hmm. Edelweiss. Yeah. Uh, the one on NG Road. ING, uh, sorry, this thing. Is it uh, this one? Uh, Max? Max? No, no, no. It's in that building. It's in the same building. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure. I forgot what it was called, man. Fuck my memories. Uh, so we had gone to them and they they have like this tie-in with universities. And Harriet, what was one of them? So I said, can you can you help me? Look, I can I can actually do this. I know, I know I can do this. So she goes, okay, this this person from Harriet Ward is uh, coming to Bangalore in a couple of days. Go meet her and see what happens. Wow, what luck. Yeah. Okay, try it. <clears throat> so this was the I think recruiting head for South Asia. Wow. Uh, Anita. Anita, her name was. Um, she came, I said I have a meeting with her, went and sat down. Ma'am, please listen. And my, my girlfriend's also going. I really want to go. I know I can do this. I've read every book there is to read. Just like, can you speak to them? After about an hour, hour and a half of trying to convince her, she goes, okay, I'll vouch for you. Great. She then <laughs> persuades these guys after a two-hour conversation. Damn. And they come back and they say, okay, we'll let you do it. But here's the deal. You start off on a diploma. So what that means is it's a nine-month course and you won't, it won't be called a master's. After your first project, depending on how well you do, we'll consider. From that time, we'll, we'll see if we want to give you the master project. Okay, they were, test, they were testing give. the waters with you. Yeah. I fucking give, dude. I'll take the diploma also. I don't care. Let me just go to Edinburgh right now. Mm-hmm. So by this time, Ishani's education there was set. She knew and she's already oh, yeah. enrolled. She, she got it within two seconds. She's, <laughs> she's an absolute genius already anyway. <laughs> She applied for it. She's done all the all the bits that she needs to do. Her grades are incredibly high. She's she's got her own like she she already won a couple of competitions. She had already like she already had a patent in India also. Great, about, all right. mm-hmm. with uh, cancer diagnosis. She had already got that with some with another team of hers. And obviously, if she if anyone interviewed her, they could see that she's a, a generational genius at this point. <laughs> So this, there was no no doubt that she was going to get it. She had already decided in her head even before she applied. I'm going. Got it. There was there was never a thought in her head that oh I might not get it. I know exactly but, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I know you know honestly I didn't think that would be a problem for me either when I applied <laughs> the first time. But my grades aren't 
good, but they are bad. It's brewing industry. What else do you need to know? I had no idea it was a fucking engineering degree. Oh, fucking, it's beer, dude. Anyone can do it. Yeah. It's simple. Uh, but yeah, f- finally, after a, I think it was like a hundred odd emails and a couple of very long meetings later, uh, and I was finally like, okay, I'm going. So you never had to travel there for a one-on-one face-to-face, no. nothing, no? No, no, it was uh, all done on the phone. Uh, I don't think, yeah, there was no uh, need for like face face-to-face at that point. Okay. Uh, it was it was a lot of emails. It was a whole lot of emails. I still have all of them. I put them into a folder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we make the move. It was September 2016. And again, it's just like ingrained in my head. Uh, we land. She's never traveled outside India before. At all. I've traveled a wee bit, but never that far west. Never been to the UK. Never never been to Scotland. Never even never considered Scotland. Yeah, never alone. Land. We had stayed at a hotel for a couple of days before we went to the student accommodation that we had finally managed to book. And all our bags, like literally, like we moved our whole life. Like fucking three bags. And we get I off. remember seeing your Facebook post around that time when you guys were setting up the house. <laughs> I remember seeing those. Oh man, that was the closets being set up and stuff. I remember those. I remember <laughs> it, was a, those. it was such a it, it, it was such a uh, so it, was, it was an experience that you couldn't put into words. It's like, oh, we're we're living on our own now. You know, you you you're living five thousand miles away from home. Yeah. You're, you're living together. Yeah. We've, we've been together five, six years at the time. It's a more uh, profound experience uh, uh, into to building your domestic relationship than a lot of couples have in India who might spend time apart from each other and then choose to get married. You guys yeah. lived in another country, managed finances, managed your social mm-hmm. lives without yeah. being married. And then now you are making that decision. Hey, we want to get married. So you have that much confidence, experience. Yeah. And, well, I, well, and, well, actually, that, that decision also came... Uh, in a, in a very strange manner. It was because I was getting kicked out of the country. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we always wanted to get married, but I don't think we had thought about when. And after my degree, uh, I couldn't find a job because you need a sponsorship to stay here. And there was no one in hospitality that could. I looked at every single hotel in the entirety of the UK, looked at every single brewery in the entirety of the UK, went through every exhaustive list that I could find, sent my CV and cover letter to every single one of them. Uh, I think it was something like almost 2000 emails I sent across. Uh, <clears throat> every day, just constant eight, nine hours of, of exploring, trying to trying to desperately find someone that will support me to stay. Right. No, 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 no. Because all the small breweries, uh, if there was a larger brewery, I didn't want it. I don't want to work at Heineken. I don't, I don't care about it. I don't care about the product. So all the smaller breweries don't have the money to sponsor. If it's a smaller hotel, they don't have the money to sponsor. What the fuck do I do now? So Ishani, as always, steering the boat. We'll just get married. I'm, I'm going to stay here, right? Just get married for the visa. It's fine. So yeah, that was, uh, what was it? 20, yeah, 2018, um, August. And we just decided to jump into the uh, council house place suit on go there exchange rings walk up done fantastic in two hours we're married fantastic 
So you could say because she knew she was going to be starting a company there and giving jobs, she's yeah. more likely to get a PR and you getting yeah. married could facilitate a same similar situation for you yeah. because you want to stay there and, and learn yeah. your craft. It, it, it will very easily facilitate that. So uh, at that point, the company was being set up and she got a visa because the company was being set up. So she had a visa for another year. So does she have a partner, uh, a company partner who is locally there or she's spearing everything? She's got herself? investors. She's got investors from uh, from down south. Uh, so those investors were the ones that kind of sponsored her visa, which indirectly sponsored her. Down south India or there? No, no, down south is in London. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, know, you know why I had to ask. <laughs> that's, 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 that's become natural though. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so uh, as soon as she set up the company, we got married. Uh, and then I could work wherever the fuck I wanted. Uh, so then I took a job with a bar called Andrew Usher and Co, which is based in this beautiful old building. Uh, Andrew Usher, in fact, was the father of blending whiskey. Wow. He was the reason why today you find Johnny Walker or Ballantines or all these guys, the actual guys like Johnny Walker himself studied under Andrew Usher, which is just a phenomenal uh, history around the uh, around that building he was a tea blender and he used his expertise in tea blending with his wife who used to do the same and they started blending uh whiskeys and that just became the absolute fucking gigantic mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. uh but funny enough it was a craft beer bar um and i remember wa- walking in there at this point, again, now desperately looking for a job because, you know, money, need money. It's expensive to live, live in places like this. Don't want to mooch off my parents any longer. Until this point, they've supported me for everything. I had I had a couple of part-time jobs, but they've supported me through and through. Uh, so I walk in. Uh, he goes, uh, just, I'll show you around the building. Shows me around. He's like, oh, you, you must know how to do that. You must know how to do that. You must know how to do that. Like, Fuck me. I've never seen any of this shit in my life. <laughs> It's like seven different kinds of kegs, eight different kinds of couplers. How the fuck do you put, what is putting a beer on water mean? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. I, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I'm just bullshitting my way through everything. Walk back outside. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? He's not going to, firstly, he's not going to give me the job. If he gives me the job, what the fuck am I going to do? He goes, okay, you can come on a trial shift on Friday night. Go back home. I'm breaking my head. Like, okay, if I... I'm, I'm picturing it all in my head that I've seen over there. Like if I if I do this, if I do this, it'll probably work. If I break something, I'll just apologize and say it was different from the previous bar I worked at. Uh, I'd worked at different bars, but I'd never worked a draft. <laughs> I'd done part-time jobs, but it was always like it was in a theater or it was in uh, a hotel or it was somewhere else where they don't have draft products. Got it. So I didn't have to work with these lines and I didn't have to work with cleaners and I didn't have to work with different beers. And these guys had 20 taps, 20 different beers and it's constantly changing. So between each beer, you have to put it on water, flush it out, put it on cleaner, flush it out, put it back on water, flush it out and then put a new beer on. I had no idea how to do shit like that. Fuck. The cleaner is basically make sure that you don't have the same residue taste. Yeah. It Mm. it cleans out the yeast, it cleans out the hops, it ensures that there's no residual taste or any bacteria in there. Got it. Because the end of a keg would tend to have a little bit more of the yeast, a little bit yeah, more of the sediment. That's why if that you come to, through. Yeah, if you go to a pub and they're usually uh, at the end of their uh, uh, left, uh, the beer it's slightly stronger, a little bitter as well, right? Yeah, 
it, it, it tends to taste a little bit different. It'll, it'll tend to have a, a, a thicker mouthfeel as a well. Grainy, yeah, a grainy, yeah, a little bit more grainy. There's a little bit of yeast and stuff in there. I come in for my first shift. More nervous than I have ever been in my entire life. I've been in hospitality at this point for very, very long. But I've never been in an environment like this. Hmm. The whole new game. It's, it's, it's not the same thing anymore. So even Arbor is nothing like this? No, because Arbor, the brewers do everything. Okay. It's going to be straight from the tank and it's going into the tap. Yeah. And nobody is allowed to touch that. Even as an intern, when I was trying to learn all these things, I was only, my hands were behind my back and I had to watch. Because it's, it, they're so careful about excise. They're so careful about quality. They're so careful about temperature control. You press one wrong button and you screw up the entire line. And they will be liable, not you. So nobody else is allowed other than the brewers to touch anything in, in places like Arbor and Toyton. Uh, all the other brew pubs as far as well again now things may have changed because at that point it was still very nascent when I was working there it was what five five years old we'd even, it was five years ago that we had our first brew pub at that point which is now today 13 years that's a long time that does change so now maybe there are more systems in place but at that time it was sacred no don't you dare even look at the bloody tank the wrong way it might stop pouring so I, I, I knew about lines, I knew about dispense systems, I knew about kegs, but I'd never worked with them. That's the, that's the difference between, you know, having theoretical knowledge of something and then actually putting it into practice, Yeah, which is and, an, an entirely different beast. And are the tools and processes different in India as it's in the UK? Very much. Hmm. Very, very much so. Uh, I think other than the fact that they're both beer, I don't think there's anything else that's common. Uh, because everything here is now shifted. It's now not steel kegs as, as much. Here, the, here you have cask beer, which is served at ambient temperature. It's not carbonated. You've never had anything like that in India. You've never had anything like that even in the US. It's a very, very UK thing. It's only here. Uh, people have now shifted to things like key kegs, which are more environmentally friendly, they're sustainable, they're cheaper, they're et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's shifted on to that. I don't know if that's a thing in India yet. And also, as I mentioned, most places don't even keg their beer anyway. Hmm. So in your dispense systems yeah. are entirely different anyway. It's direct to tap in India. Mm -hmm. It comes in from the tank straight into the tap, hmm. which there are a couple of places that will do that here, but more often than not, it's a brewery and a bar. You don't get them together. Got it. Not, not as much at least. So it's the brewery, it's stored, it's probably kept chilled or something. And then from there, they take it to the bar. Yeah. Got it. And that, that, that's how it works across the board. Well, mostly across the board. Uh, with exceptions here and there. Like well, the, the next bar that I worked at was a brew pub. So they had a little brewery inside. Got but we still also had 20 taps with other stuff in it anyway. Uh, so I do my first, my, my first shift at Usher's. Walk in. Friday night even five deep across this gigantic bar counter. I'm like, okay, volume, I can manage. I've never poured anything out of a bloody tap like this. First pint I pour, fucking just foam. Oh shit, what the fuck am I doing? I'm gonna be fired. Before I even start, I'm gonna get fired. Okay, relax, relax, relax. Chill, don't worry about it. Shows me how to do it a couple of times. Uh, I had an amazing team there. Uh, it was an absolute dream. Um, and they were very patient with me uh, to start off with. Show me how to work everything. Show me the still systems. Show me the dishwasher, how to work that. Go clear this, go clear that. And then 
about an hour into that shift, there's five other people on staff and they all disappear. No one's there. And uh, 25 people in front of me. And how many covers are you serving per hour from that? How many covers is that bar serving per hour? Fuck knows, man. It's a, it's a, it's a standing bar. It's 35, 40 people standing in front of you. There's 200 people seated and they're constantly looking for beer. But the one, the one advantage is in the UK, you don't, don't have to provide table service. They'll come to the bar and get the order. Oh, it's standard. Yeah. That's that, that, that is a standard in bars, not in restaurants in bars. Okay. So you're like pubs, basically your pubs. Yeah. So I have they, to go. Even if you've got food, yeah. Even if you've got food, they'll come and ask you. They'll give you a table number. They'll come and ask you. You can, you have to serve the food there, but they'll come and place the order. They'll pay for it immediately at the bar counter. Understood. Got it. Clear. Got it. So it's self-service. So pick up and and pour. Yeah. The you 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 go to the kitchen. You get the order. And you give it to them on that day. You know which table number it is, and you have the order in your hand. Got it. But they've come and paid for it at the bar counter. Got it. Got it. Got it. I've got 35 people in front of me, all alone, brand new bar. Fuck do I do? Look around, can't see anyone. I don't know where the fuck they've gone. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. Start pouring everyone's drinks, trying to memorize which beer is where. 20 new beers. I've never fucking seen them before. I've never tried them before. Serving as much as I can. New till system. Never seen it before. Trying to get used to it. But 20, 25 minutes later, I'm exhausted. I'm sweating. Served as many people as I can. Where the fuck are these guys? I see the door at behind the bar. Go and push it open. I was like, they're all sitting there and watching me on the camera. Like, you have a question? I was like, yeah, I don't know how to work this thing on the on the till. Come out, they show me, and all five of them come back, do their work. Basically, they were testing. Like, can cool. this guy, yeah, can this guy do this or not? Can he handle the heat? Yeah. So I managed it for, for about 25 minutes. I didn't have a question. I didn't look completely lost. I, I was, but I tried not to look it. <laughs> Serve people everything that I could. Um, yeah, and then the next day, uh, he calls me and goes, yeah, you've got the job when you want it. Uh, when can you start? Nice. Like today, like <laughs> give me give me every shift you've got. Uh, and that was December 2018, I want to say. Yeah, December 2018. And I worked, I think, 17 days on the trot or 18 days on the trot or something like that. Uh, every shift they could give me, I just took it. Uh, the only days I had off were the ones where I was working at the other job, the part-time <laughs> one that I still had. Okay. Uh, because I'd given my word. I'd given my word and I said, I'm going to do those shifts. And I'm not going to cancel them. I will go and do them. So I did 15 odd shifts at uh, Usher's straight, 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 straight shifts, uh, which was like starting at four o'clock, finishing off at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Back home, start again. And did that for... Yeah, 15, 20 days, I think, straight. Uh, and every time there was a day off, it was because I had a shift somewhere else. Uh, so that was that was a beautiful learning experience because, it was, like I said, it was an amazing team. Uh, these guys taught me so much. They were very patient with me, taught me how to change these kegs, and where the beers are coming from, sat and spoke to them about all of that, flavor profiles, hop profiles. Uh, we had a range of other products. We had cocktails that we were doing. We had... Uh, tons of whiskeys. We had lots of absinthe and rums, which I'd never heard of before. Learned all of that. Learned a little bit about cask management. Uh, 
got got to know the chefs very well. Amazing menu that we had there as well. So just dove into it uh, head first, just like a sponge, trying to absorb everything that I could. Uh, ended up working there for just over a year and a half. Okay, I think. No, about a year. Yeah, about a year. Uh, I was in so, yeah, uh, management changed a couple of times, and uh, was yeah the third general manager that I was working under who came in, uh, and he came in as a guest the first time. Okay. Uh, and that speaks to me for a little while. I'm serving him as I serve any normal guest. Halfway through a sentence, he cuts me off. Like, what's your what's your job here? What's your position? I'm a bartender. How, how many hours do you work? 50, 60, whatever I get. You don't have your own keys, which means are you a supervisor? No. Why the fuck not? I don't know. The local no, Brit guy. He's a local Scottish slash yeah, Brit guy. Scottish, Scottish guy. I don't know. I'm never asked. Okay. I'm the new general manager. You're getting your keys tomorrow. <laughs> Right, cool. him for yeah. Uh, worked with him for about six months. We did the Fringe, which is a massive festival here in in Edinburgh. It's arts and comedy and music. It's a month long festival that goes on through August, and it brings millions of tourists in. Obviously, it hasn't happened in 2020 and might not happen in 2021, but this was 2019. <clears throat> uh, so we did the Fringe, which was absolutely nuts. We were open until three in the morning, so we'd finish at three. Close the bar up. There were a couple of places open till five. We'll have a couple of drinks. Start again at nine in the morning. Because we had breakfast, we had shows, we had other things. So we did that for, for the entire month. And unfortunately, the parent company decided to close Usher's down. Rest in peace. Uh, which is an absolute fucking stupidest decision they ever made because they tried to open something else over there and it failed miserably. Um, but yeah, they made the decision. They had made the decision before. I, apparently, before I, at that point, I was the assistant manager. Uh, nice. But they apparently made the decision six months prior to that, uh, which we found out later. Hmm. Uh, so it, was the general manager the guy who came and gave you your, the promotion? Yeah. He was involved in that decision making of selling. No, it? no, no, no. Uh, okay. They didn't sell it. They still own the property. Okay. They just didn't want to do a craft beer bar because it's very expensive to run. So they tried to turn it into a student bar and it failed. Failed miserably. <laughs> Uh, okay. But yeah, they'd already made that decision. Like even we were making money, they didn't care. So I see this this general manager dude as the dude you wiped most over there and probably did yeah. not. In fact, he, it was his house I was at yesterday. We're still very, very close friends. Uh, and we worked at the next bar together as well. Uh, so finished off at Asha's and I'm like, okay, fuck, now what do I do, man? That was, that was, my, that was my baby. That was my, my, my home. More, more than my home was my home. That was my home. I was there 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. Even on my days off, I was there. It was like the, the team was amazing. The the customers that came in there were amazing. We we built this this beautiful community where you know there was a 70, 80, 90 people that would come in in every week. And no more were they strangers. They would come in and they'd find the other person and go and sit next to them. It was just like this, this everyone knew everyone kind of local. And we'd be getting weird beer from fucking everywhere, getting beer from all over Belgium, getting beer all over the US. Just all this random nonsense and no one else in, forget Edinburgh, the rest of the UK might have not seen. 
<laughs> we just we we were obsessed with trying to find all these weird nonsense breweries that no one would ever try and even think about working with. Um, so they did all of that, and having been forced to move on, uh, started applying for more jobs. Uh, got offered a general manager position at this kind of local theater bar. Okay. Good money. So, so are theaters just... like a big lifestyle thing there? Because you mentioned you were working at another theater bar priorly, prior. Yeah. The, uh, so, wait, so, so the first one I was working for was live theater. Okay. Uh, but like I got to watch all kind the of, shows. Like yeah. Broadway I, got to, I got to watch all the shows for free, which is fucking amazing. Sweet. Uh, amazing acoustics was an old church. Absolutely incredible acoustics in there as well. Uh, so, I had done that for a year part-time. Uh, this one was right next to a movie theater, but one of the older ones, it's called King's Theater in uh, in Edinburgh, right next to that. So what, what you would get is these huge rushes of people coming in before a show and after a show. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Volume bar there, but around the shows, fuck all. Four people will be sitting in the bar. The same four people every day will be drinking the same drink every day. <laughs> the only thing that changes is that half an hour of mad rush and they fuck off. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's how, that's how the business worked. Over 200 whiskeys in the bar. Wow. So I was like, you know what? That's really exciting. I like whiskey. I'm, I'm not massive. I'm not into it as much as I am into beer. But I love it. It's, it's, it's got such a lovely romance and history to it. There's so many different kinds that you can have, like fucking 200 plus. Okay, can I, can I do this? Should I, should I do this? I broke my head over Good money also. But it's only four beers a day. It's the same phobias. Tenants, Guinness, Stuarts, same thing. Do I want to do that? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Thinking. Worked a couple of shifts there. I still haven't said yes to the job. I'm working there as a bartender. They're looking for a general manager. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. And around that time, I went and visited this place called The Hanging Bat. Okay. I read the name online. In my head, I'm thinking, hey, cricket bar would be amazing. Walk in, fucking, not, not even a, did not even heard the word cricket in there, which was a shame. But at the same time, I did. What, what I did realize was it was the best craft beer bar in the city, and I had not uh, visited in it Edinburgh that much. Yeah, uh, in fact, at that, yeah, at that point it was in the top ten in the UK. Yeah, it was in the top ten in the UK at the time. Um, and by the time I left, it was in the top three. Fucking amazing. Um, so went in there. So fucking, fucking hell, this bar is amazing. And I met another manager that I had worked under through Ushers. One of your second or first managers? Well, my basically my manager's manager. Ah, okay, okay. I met him in there. What's he doing here? Well, this is my bar. Uh, I'm general manager here. Oh, nice. And you're looking for a job. Asha's closed. You're looking for a job. Yeah. Come meet me tomorrow. All right. When I spoke to him the next day, told him, got a job with Bennett's down the road. General manager. Said, you want to do that? I don't know. It's good money. I'll make you start as a uh, bartender here. Give me two, three months. I'll make you an assistant manager here. Are you, are you sure? Are you serious? Yeah. I think you'll be good at this. 
you like your beer don't you yeah okay start tomorrow what huh? <laughs> start tomorrow okay start again as a bartender now so i spent a year building myself up got to assistant manager. manager i started bartender, bartender again, again. Hmm. fuck it i'll do it it's a nice bar what is the name of this bar uh, hanging back hmm. the hanging back uh yeah so six months later he got fired for uh doing very stupid silly things uh which i was glad about he was actually a horrible manager to work for oh okay uh a very good businessman but a terrible human being okay got it i get where you're coming from yeah uh, i learned a lot from him uh regrettably learned a lot from him <laughs> but uh yeah so in six months he got fired and big bosses come down there's a it's a company called uh, caledonian heritable so run by a couple of brothers called the doyles caledonian heritables yeah so uh, just help me understand how it works right so you have the companies that brew beers like your guinness heineken etc mm-hmm. you have these brew pubs like the hanging bat which yep. helps sell these beers on top of their own trot beers as well and yep. these guys are owned by the cattle what what is it mentioned caledonian heritable caledonian heritable so what yeah. is a caledonian so, heritable a caledonian heritable is a hospitality bigamoth it's a big company ah okay okay get it i get it but it's a family run it's a uh, little mafioso there these uh, doyles no, i'm not i'm not joking they they are actually uh, have you heard of the movie train spotting yeah yeah of course famous movie from here they are depicted in it the two of them the brothers that own this company oh they're they're actual mafioso everyone knows that it's like common knowledge they're actually a very shitty company to work for just a shame because they've got amazing bars and people work for them are incredible <laughs> but them them as bosses they're not the culture not is really exactly bad ah. uh everything's about you know bottom line everything's about cut your costs make your money it's and 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 at the same time they don't want to encourage any kind of support for staff they don't want to encourage any kind of decent product like we had to fight them on every step of like i want good tequila in here i want expensive beer in here i need this new account with this new brewery or with this new supplier i had to fight them on everything so would they would they be going as far as to say you don't have to take names of any establishments you've worked on uh, in case you don't want to finger point but has it ever happened that you've had they've had to say things to you like water the beer or like give less portions no, no, of no. food or things like that no the 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 licensing laws here are too strict about all you can't get away with shit like that so the that that level of quality won't change it was a, it was more about quality of the product okay you could you could have you know like reducing the abv and stuff like that no 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 not at all it's more about uh, a cheap whiskey versus a very very expensive okay 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 and uh, so a that is a very very expensive one. that is a third party whiskey beer that i'm buying now if i am brewing yeah. something of my own how yeah. far can i get away with diluting my product before zero. the laws fuck me up zero absolutely nothing if if anyone gets in even the tiniest whiff that you're doing anything silly like that you're closed in seconds got it so got it that's it, cool the 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 revenue and customs and all these guys will be on your ass in in 2 seconds the licensing is very very strict and people follow it that that little bit it's kind of inherent in in people here they don't want to fuck with that 
Got it. And is it similar in India as well, the laws or the strictness of the laws and the establishments following these laws? I'd like to believe so. Uh, there are some rather archaic laws that are set up in India that are followed more than they need to be. Uh, for example, I can tell you Puma Social Club uh, that we're running in Indranagar. For the first three or four months when we were running it, because we were running it well enough and there was no reason for the cops or the excise guys to come and screw us, they dug up some old law that said you have to play only Carnatic music and you have to open at 10 a.m. So they came into Puma, they said that and they gave us a fine. Mm. So those little stupid things happen uh, in India because everyone wants to make a little bit of money on the side. Got it, got it. You have to... You have to yeah, we have to oil the palm. If you're working well, they'll come and find some other stupid reason to fuck you. That kind of shit doesn't happen here. Okay. So petty, I think there's a petty, bull, of, petty bull yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think there's a sense of uh, comfort that people take in that. So they follow the laws that are there because they all make sense. They're there to safeguard you and to safeguard your customers. And people understand that that's why they're there. For example, even the drinking and driving laws in, in the UK. You're not allowed to say, in Scotland particularly, you're not allowed a single sip if you want to drive. Oh, really? Yeah, not a single sip. Zero alcohol, 12 hours prior, I think, or eight hours prior or something. Wow. People follow it. There's not a single cop on the road, dude. There's no checking, no breathalyzer, nothing. I have not met a single person that breaks that rule. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's mm. ingrained. It's, it's very natural. I get what you're saying. It is. I want to be safe because that means I am safe and the person next to me is safe. So I will not drink and drive. That is how much alcohol is a part of their life that they make conscious decisions when yeah. not to drink. Mm. Yeah. If I have to drive means I won't drink tonight. God. If I have to drive tomorrow morning also, I won't drink after X time. Or I won't drink this many units. Got it. It's so much part of their culture to just follow these rules. Got it. Which you won't find in India. I've done it. I've, I've been very, very drunk and driven where I should drive. Yeah, what you did? Got caught by breathalyzer also, gave him 100 bucks and went home. I know I've done it. And I know that I was completely wrong to do it because I was 18 years old and I was a stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah, I get, where you're, I get where you're coming from. It's, it's in India, it is a... It's like exactly what you and I were discussing before the podcast started, right? Like in certain countries, it's like, um, it's like for, for me, having an English breakfast is, uh, it's not a daily thing. It's something that I'm going out of my way. Similarly, for yeah. in, in Indian, Indian culture, or at least in mainstream Indian culture, I'm not talking about your metropolitan Indian culture, but mainstream Hi. Indian culture. It's not a common thing to drink too much, drink alcohol. Maybe even in the tribal societies yeah. where you have their tribal alcohol, like toddy and stuff mm. like that, there it's more of a norm. But in yeah. your mainstream <clears throat> tier two, tier three, small towns, it's more of a uh, taboo, even now, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I think I know exactly where you're coming from, where in the UK or in the Scotland or in Scotland or in Wales, I don't know what the drinking culture in Wales is like, I'm just assuming. Should be about the same. I haven't been to Wales yet, but I assume it's the same because uh, got some people that 
I've got some suppliers that stay there. And yeah, they, they seem to love their beer as much as everyone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whereas over there, it's more of a it's more of a lifestyle thing. Like, yeah, there are pubs. Yeah, you can take your kid to a pub. Yeah, they will get a pint. It's not like uh, like what what uh, Kheer and Kichdi is to India. <laughs> booze and and your english breakfast and your sausages is yeah, yeah. their culture so i understand exactly where you're coming from i exactly exactly where you're coming yeah. from uh, it's 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 a very very uh, it's it's part of the traditions you know it's at the end of the week or the end of the day you go and meet your friends at the pub you have a pint with them uh, there's a cricket club i play for uh, mortons you, you know what they call themselves we 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 call ourselves a drinking team with a cricket problem <laughs> they started off as a pub team in the 70s that's it is it's a fucking amazing to see how much they they care for each other how much they care for the community they go drinking they drink heavily but never make any undue noise never break shit never no vandalism at all zero that of course there are a lot of older but even in my own age group it's the same where you know there's there's there, there is a level of respect of course there are exceptions to all of that you go to the wrong place at the wrong time you will see a lot of vandalism you see lots of nonsense yeah which mm. is available everywhere but the majority will drink hold their own go home happy it's very no civil up. it's very civil yeah. they don't drink to get drunk if i may no it's yeah you want to get a little bit of a buzz but you're there more for the social interaction it's it's, it's a social lubricant that's all it is i get exactly what you're saying it's not for party 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 it's not for you know i i want to show someone that i'm drinking blue label oh, all that shit doesn't exist they don't care i'll drink whatever i want to drink i'll drink how much of it i want to drink and i'll go home it's very independent you're not worried about the next person you're not worried about someone koi koi kuch kahega i don't know no one gives a shit and what's the minimum drinking age is 16 right no it's 18 it's 18 it's 18 uh, is 18 but uh, it's a challenge 25 what does that mean so the licensing works uh, as if you believe someone is under 25 years of age you are legally required to ask for id okay you can serve them but you're they have to have id yeah if you believe anyone looks less than 25 but they have to be 18 to 20 got it it's got a it. it's a great law it's a it's a very very good way to to ensure no one gets offended but everyone gets id got it got it it's like i'm not saying i won't give you you just have to make yeah. like show me that i should give it yeah. to you yeah yeah fantastic yeah uh, the the drinking culture here is great uh and it's it's it's, it's, it's something something that i've uh, kind of incorporated myself into very easily <laughs> i know i understand would you say um Uh, so Adi and I were having this conversation uh, in our podcast that because he and I grew up in our kiddie days watching cartoons and TV shows and movies that are primarily Western, our yeah. influences today are more Western, right? If yeah. pr- probably he and I grew up in a country like Australia, New Zealand, uh, the United States, English-speaking mm-hmm. uh, European countries, we would probably be able to be more creative with regards to Aditya's script, screen and script writing and yeah. in advertising as well. Uh, when i say creative i don't mean to say better ideas i mean to say the type of ideas right like yeah uh, like i'm pretty sure <clears throat> 15 years back if you wanted to make a stout in india 
you would have been like, what the fuck? But 15 years ago, I'm pretty sure Stout was there very popularly in the UK. Of course, yeah. Right? So yeah. Uh, from that perspective, Adi and I we kind of had a conclusion that uh, we might, because of how we grew up, English speaking first, uh, mm-hmm. listening to English music first and English movies and cartoons first, we would have probably done better from a creative point of view in those industries, right? Not yeah. being born in that country, like say Adi got a jo- job at Cartoon Network or um, mm-hmm. something like that. And I probably got to work with a few American brands like Nike, Red Bull, maybe. Similarly, do you think uh, <clears throat> the kind of culture you were trying to explore in India is not the kind of culture, sorry, let me rephrase. Do you think the kind of mindset and the kind of alcohol culture you got integrated to in the UK and the kind of person and purviews it created for you when it comes to you crafting beer, looking at beer, looking at how people drink beer, do you think it would have been, uh, it would have had less depth if you would have studied and if you would have done the same in India? Not less depth, but I think sometimes that there might have been less of a uh, connection to the people uh, that are involved uh, in the sense that here, despite things being very competitive, it's first collaborative. Whether you're a brewery, whether you're a bar, you're always helping each other out as a community. Uh, and I've seen less of that in India. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but it's more cutthroat. The rat race is a lot closer. Uh, so I think that might have been slightly different. If I was still in India, for example, uh, another massive thing would be the availability of jobs and then the money that you get for it. Correct. Mm. So for example, here I can work on minimum wage, 40 hours a week, and I can pay my rent. And I can buy some food. And I can go out a couple of times a week. And you can do so comfortably. Yes. well, if both people in the fa- in, in the household are working, then yes, uh, you couldn't do it with one person, or you'd be sharing a room, or you'd be living in a house with other housemates or flatmates. Got it, got it. Uh, living on your own on minimum wage is not possible, got or it. even on living wage is not possible. Uh, but if you, if you've got two people working in a house, it's absolutely fine. Now, alternately, in India, say I wanted to be a brewer or a sales rep or a marketing guy or something for a brew pub or even for say white owl or white rhino Bira or something like that yeah the money that I would get for that would not allow me to go and live on my own it wouldn't be enough in the alcohol industry the pay is low what is very disappointing at times is particularly now again in in India what I found was say you were a brewer coming from the US or coming from Australia and you applied for a job in India, your salary is four times as much as the Indian guy with the same qualification. So that is unfortunately something that does exist. So that white worship is still there in this industry as well. 100%. And that won't go away anytime soon. I don't think at least. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> Do you think it's because they bring better craft and better skill and better exposure? I don't think so. The, the Indian guys that I've met who are brewers are just as qualified, just as talented. They've, they've also been homegrown for five years. They've also gone and traveled and they've drank everything. They've, they've, they may not have grown up with it, 
but they've gone and almost every single brewer in India has studied Harriet Watt. There are some of them that do the course in Pune. There are some of them that do it in Germany. There are some of them that do it elsewhere. But 99% of them are coming from Harriet Watt. Mm -hmm. They've done this course. They are just as qualified. They have studied in Scotland. They've drank the best craft beer in the UK. They've gone traveled around Germany. They've drank all those beers. They've come back. They've done their research. They've studied. But the impression is he must know things better. Because he comes from there. Mm. Mm. And do you think this um, hinders enthusiasts who probably are in hospitality studying, I mean, sorry, who are probably in Christ studying hospitality right now, probably like, you know, I want to be a craft, uh, I want to be a brewer because I love alcohol. And they're like, yeah. I can't make a career out of it. I, I think it might hinder some folk, but predominantly people want to fight that. <laughs> you want to change it. You want to be a part of that revolution. It's, it's exciting. You want to demand for the, the right amount of money. You want to demand for the right amount of pay. You want to demand for that independence. And you want to, you want to prove that you're good enough. And I think that comes quite naturally to most people. That you want to prove. You want to be just, you want to show that you're just as good. Um, and I do think that that sometimes gives you more of a drive, more of a motivation at times. You feel like an underdog. Everyone loves the underdog story. You want to be the underdog that becomes successful. So I do think that it may deter some people from doing it, but I also think it's an extra motivation for the others that stick or stick by it. Got it. The ones who will go through the grind are the, are the yeah. gems that will come out yeah. at the end of it. And, and I think that will help that, that will help the industry grow quite a bit more. Noted. Hmm. That's interesting. As, 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 as kind of a backwards, uh, in, in a very backwards way, but it will. In, 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 a, in almost a negative way, but there will be a silver line. I get what you're saying. I get what you're so saying. The, the, the best example for that is this conversation right now. We're having it in fluent English. Why? Colonization. They came and fucked us. They gave us English and went. They gave us the schooling that we took and went. <laughs> we studied in places like Cotton's and Joseph's and all for what? They're, they're all set up by them. Yeah. But there is a silver lining. Now we are all global citizens and we can go and screw them wherever we are because we're now more qualified than them and we're better than them. <laughs> now we can have because the Shashi Tharoos pulling yeah. their legs. Yeah, we've got, we've got the motivation now. You have to be better than them. Hmm. I know what you're saying. I think, so it's, it's basically like to say that, uh, you know how they say, right? Like to, um, like you're saying, fuck you to the system. Yeah. You know? You, you want to be able to. And I, I, I think there are more people that want to do that than there aren't. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly. There are people that mean. want to fight that stigma around alcohol. There are people that want to say, no, it's normal, man. It's okay. I can make a career out of this. I can study in Pune and make a career out of this or I can study at Haridwat and make, make a career out of this. Yeah. But I will do it. Making it normal. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. There, there is a change. Know. There is a change. There, there, there is a change coming from from being paid the right amounts, from being where, where it's going to be okay for you to study whatever the hell you want, where it's going to be okay for you to pursue whatever you want, and there will be a job for you. There will be, you know, a possibility for you to create a career around whatever it is that you want to do. 
Correct. I think there will be less as as you know as our generation become parents. What are you going to tell your kid? You're going to tell them go do what you want, man. Yeah. Look at the world around you, dude. Look at there's 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 no dearth of opportunity. There's no nothing is literally nothing is impossible now. We know that. We've been with with the exposure to the internet, with the exposure to global culture, the way that we have right now. You want to be like Scandinavia. You want to be like Canada. You want to be like Australia. You you want to see the best about all these places, and you want to catch up, whether the government wants you to or not. Yeah. Even if they are trying to set you back, yes, Modi will be able to convince X number of people that everything has to be Hindutva and everything has to be. you know this 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 and this is bad and this is good in regressing the culture as much as he wants to but we are not stupid we are now exposed to so much more i can see what the brewers are making in the us i can see what's happening there yeah i can see what's happening in the uk you know what south fish head is doing yeah yeah i can also see what the government in fucking iceland is doing i can see what the government in norway is doing i am going to start demanding that from my government I am going to start demanding that from everybody around me. And if he can make a career out of doing that, why the fuck can't I? Why are you not paying me well enough? That is going to change. That is going to happen. And our this generation is going to be at the forefront of that. Yeah, that would be so fucking cool, right? Like I, I, I'm feeling so amped listening to you right now. <laughs> I understand. I understand exactly where you're coming from. So that brings me to the next question. Do you see yourself uh, learning, making a shit ton of capital there, and bringing that uh, that that depth experience and connections to India? Maybe setting up Nagpal Brewing and Co. or something like that in the future. <laughs> It's a thought that's crossed my mind uh, many times. Uh, I do want to, I do want to give back. I do want to help uh, as much as I can, particularly when it comes to education. Uh, i want people to have equal exposure i want people to have like i said the possibility whether i've got kids of my own or not i want to ensure that people are given an opportunity to pursue whatever the fuck they want that is something that i'm very passionate about um so if and when uh, i have enough money i would like to do that but not if that means me shifting back to india cuz cuz shani's company set up here i don't want that to change i don't want that to shift and we can't move that to india at this point at least because r&d is not funded as much here the government is supporting here she gets tax rebates she gets lots of funding she gets grants she gets support from uh government kind of subsidies that will give her expertise that will give her workshops that will allow her to travel all that comes from the government because she's doing r&d her customers will all be here in the uk will be in the us will be in china so with that in mind i wouldn't want to move and selfishly also standard of living is fucking amazing here man i can like i said i can pay all my bills happily I can play cricket on the weekends. Don't have to worry about much. So, on a selfish level, I'm not wanting to move back. Got it. So, um, maybe let's keep geography aside. How mm-hmm. would you 
15 years from now let's assume when both of us are just going to be entering our about to enter our 50s yeah what would you like your legacy to be in this space uh this space could either be so i'll just throw some ideas out of how i'm seeing this yeah. you could either be a restaurant owner you could either be a brewery owner you could either be the head of something like the boyle doyle brothers you could be something like that yeah. so <clears throat> what do you see yourself and maybe once you guys are 50 maybe you might not want to move to india but do you see that hospitality front maybe you hiring a manager or something like that in india and a young karan upstart karan nagpal in india who runs things for you here so do you have those kind of visions uh less in terms of a hospitality empire more in terms of maybe if i had the money to uh maybe start a school or start a fund start a grant system of some kind where kids are sent to a decent school and i get to support that and it has nothing to do with them learning only about distilling and alcohol no i don't i don't care about that uh, it's more about uh you know, give give the kid a laptop give the kid internet connection give the kid uh, an, an an atmosphere to learn give him all the books that he wants give him a fucking kindle so he's not distracted by fucking facebook and stuff give him a kindle no, something no. that just get people i you, you know the education that we got mm. i want that to be for everybody can you imagine a billion people with that education that you you studied world history you studied civics you studied every scientific little thing that they were able to teach you at the time you learned it in english which is a global language that you need to know now and you were exposed obviously with the internet to global culture i want that to be a thing for everyone as many people as possible if i if i were to have a legacy that's what i would want to leave it that would be beautiful that would be beautiful so you don't really uh, so more than um, i'm asking this from a very selfish point of view again yeah so so you see yourself more as a again please pardon the the words that i put into uh, play you see more yourself an ed- as an educate education philanthropist than as a hospitality mogul hospitality and alcohol oh, definitely 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 I, i i i don't want to leave behind uh, an empire of hotels or restaurants or breweries or bars i don't see the I, i i i don't see that as a career choice for me even if i did start something on my own it would be tiny scale it would be for me it would be what i was passionate about so the passion what i want to do is go ahead i want to facilitate passion i want to be able to start a cricket academy maybe that would be a fucking dream teach little kids how to play sport yeah fucking love that teach people how to to read to 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 just just pick up on what you're passionate about hmm. what you have an energy for i love being able to see that even when i was growing up when i was uh, playing cricket in say you know backyard wherever we were in mc apartments when i was playing that little black cage i would go knock on the doors of all these little kids tell their parents i'm taking them and going enough they're sitting in front of the tv all the fucking time they're coming and playing cricket with me now because i knew they were interested but they were distracted take them 6 in the morning 7 in the morning go throw balls at them like play whatever you want to do whatever you want to come come spend some time outside yeah parents love me for that 
I'd be playing fucking even when I was 21, 22, dude. Every second I got, I'd be playing cricket. And these kids are sitting and playing fucking video games, shit, dude. They're playing cricket what on the computer. Bro, probably fucking don't even know what I'm playing. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I played video games, dude, but the to 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 see someone spending all that time there was very disappointing. I know what you mean. So it was come and play for some time. Go read something, then go play. Play how much video games you want after that. So, but I, I, I was trying to get these guys, these kids to play cricket, and at the same time, I was telling them, "Oh, you know what? Read this book. I'll give them something from my library. I'll give them a Harry Potter book. I'll give them some other kids book that I've got left over from when I was a kid. Give them. Go read. Go do this. Go do that." And I, I loved watching it when they come back and talk to me about it. There was one one kid went on to captain his school in cricket. He did not hold a bat before I taught him how to do it. And you know what he did? He won a medal. Scored a century. Won a medal. He didn't go home. Still in his cricket uniform, came to my house. Look, I love that. I'm so just thinking about it now. So you see yourself as a facilitator for the next generation that wants to pursue its own passions yeah, and dreams. Whatever, whatever they're passionate about. I love seeing that spark. Imagine. Imagine a billion kids able to pursue careers like we are doing right now. Yeah, to do what they want, whatever they want, however creative it it may be, however boring it you you or my you or my you might think of it or I might think of it as very boring. But he loves it. Let him do it. Yeah, I know. But what you give mean. me the opportunity. So so if I have to if I have to put it all together, I mean I think we are coming towards the the end of our podcast. If I have to put it together, I think it would be like. Um, you wanted to learn how a person makes his beer and what yeah. goes into making it which started with that whole guinness story of yours yeah. which is why you pursued the craft that you have but you don't see yourself as someone who builds the rest of his life in this you see so yourself as someone who probably wants to do this for a while stay in edinburgh like you said you're very clear about that so do yeah. what you can to make sure that you have a job which you said like you wake up and you're like fuck yes i can do this which you mm-hmm. like doing in the alcohol industry but probably yeah. for all you know i don't know i want to talk about cricket next after this and we can end i you might yeah. for all you know become a cricket coach and that is also something that you might get paid enough so you choose yeah. i don't have to make beers anymore i can probably teach cricket for the next 2 years and still make a living so i understand that i totally get that and uh, i would like to say to you that on this path of yours you always have me as someone if you ever need to teach kids or if you're ever setting up an institute i also love working with kids um i believe see i'm i'm 100% self taught in the sense that i learned photoshop myself i learned public speaking myself i learned how to write emails myself i learned how to yeah, yeah. everything that i know i learned myself uh so i would like and i would and it took me a lot of time and a lot of pain and suffering which i would like to avoid for other kids um especially the pain and suffering but it's unnecessary i feel and uh they can waste their time of course i'm i'm going to interrupt you there you you don't think that was character building though some amount of it i get where you're coming from i was actually going to add to that see i think the pain and it's it's right pain and suffering i would say that's necessary not the kind of um debilitating soul crushing pain that i'm talking mm-hmm. about uh, see i'm talking about traumatic pain not like character building pain i'm talking about like yeah. uh fear of loss fear of abandonment fear of uh got a tap list at home these are things that you have on tap at home yeah it's all made by beer. you yeah 
Draft home group. Oh, brother, I'm visiting you soon. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I look forward to it. I'm going to bring some some of my craziness into into your space. I would absolutely love that. So, there you go. What is that? So, this this is a Belgian amber ale uh, that I have made using this very weird Japanese hop called Sorachi Ace. Which gives you flavors of like this herby dill like kind of weird funkiness, which oh. uh, most most people don't use. Uh, it's a very odd hop, uh, and because I feel like an odd duck myself, I like brewing with it. Do you think you can use wasabi flavors in beer? Yes, I've actually been thinking about this. So there's a beer I want to make called the Seven Layers of Hellas, like Hell's Lager. <laughs> And it's going to be have seven different types of heat. So one of them is going to be wasabi. Oh. So I want to use, I've used chilies and ginger a lot. And I've had great results with it. Uh, I've used different levels of heat and found great results with it. I've had lots of beer with chilies and it's been amazing. Do they use the chili seeds, the skin or the juice? Everything. You can use whatever you want. Okay. Depending on what you want to achieve from it. Okay. So, do you want just the capsaicin, just the heat, then use the seeds. But it's expensive if you want to use just the seeds. Think about how much you might have to put in a bill. Yeah, yeah. Do you want the little fruitiness from it? Then you use the, the skin. Do you not want the heat? Do you want only the fruitiness? Take the seeds out, put the skin in. Got it. It's what you want to achieve. What flavor profile you want to achieve. And I, I, I want to be able to do this with... Like it was... What, what I thought about? So, it was wasabi, ginger... Chilies, pepper, uh, something else. There were seven ingredients that we had come up with. Me and a friend had come up with them. We said, we're going to have seven layers of pellets. But also, yeah, we, you could use like just straight up wasabi and make something. Uh, I've made some really weird shit. I've got a chai spiced uh, beer that I've put in uh, bottles. I've got like a sherry coconut chocolate thing that I've got in bottles. Um, I used them, I made a mint beer which was uh, a surprising success because uh, I love I love the flavor of mint and it's usually very toothpastey when it comes in a beer. And I've managed to find the right essence, the right proportion and the right temperatures to make it taste more like an after eight. So it's got okay, that chocolate okay. in it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm so happy about, like actually nailing that. But yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely zero limit to what you can put into a beer and what flavor profile you can achieve. Whatever you can think of can be done. A little bit of experimentation would be necessary, but it can be done. Can you make whiskey beer? It's a dumb question, yeah. I know. But well, you can. You can just you you make a beer and you barrel age it in the whiskey barrel. Okay. So it's not like you and take whiskey and then make beer out of it. No, you take beer and make it into whiskey. Okay. That's how it starts. So okay. all, all all whiskey start off with the same raw material or the same raw ingredient that is malt, water, and yeast as beer. The only difference is you want to put hops in it and you distill it. Okay. In beer, you put hops. That acts as a preservative and nowadays it's a lot of flavor as well. So every hop is a different flavor and now there's 300, 400 different varieties of hops you can cut. Interesting. So yeah, this brings me back to that conversation we were having about training kids, right? Like I think that's a fantastic uh, mindset to have where, you know, you want to train at a grassroots level, whether it's doing, whether it's how to pursue your craft or how do you pursue what you want to do and how do you do it even when the rest of the world is saying not to do it and, you know, stick to your guts. And I think that's a very solid thing. 
that, 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 that's probably what it would be like stick to your guns and do what you want to do pursue yeah. it doggedly work 90 hours but it should be worth it you like yeah yeah like if you if you want to be someone who enjoys cleaning shit clean shit do it yeah and if I've you work 100 hour weeks i've broken my back i've broken my shoulders i've gone to work in severe pain i've still loved every second of it yeah i know what you mean when you when you love what you do everything else becomes secondary everything yeah. else becomes secondary i feel absolutely you know so. and i've always lived like that i've i've been given the opportunity to live like that i've had so much support from from family i've had so much support from close friends i've had so much support from the industry that i wanted to be in and yes. i want that to be possible for more people yeah it's always because i can see how happy that makes me yeah and i can see other people with passion i can see you i can see bari i can see uh sumanth i can see rehan that they're doing things that they want we've been given such amazing opportunities but we are in that much of a bracket in india we we we're a ball head with that thin of fucking bracket yeah how do you it make sure to, that it goes yeah it needs down. to be everybody yeah i mean but when you do that then you know you you you'll see this this change from that grassroots level you will see change across the board nobody will 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 want that corrupt government anymore nobody will want that archaic school system anymore that will all break the more that you can spread this independent education this independent knowledge this this thirst for knowledge yeah the more you can facilitate that that will then lead to every other change that you think society needs correct and autonomy in the pursuit of knowledge i think that's how i like to put it yeah. because that's a like lovely how, way to put it yeah, i love that it's like how you put it na karan like if uh, instead of me wanting to change society instill the thought at a grassroots level 20 years later automatically society will change mm-hmm. you know you can if you do that to 20 people they'll do it to another 40 each yeah they'll they do it to their to kids 40 each yeah you you kind of create that pyramid scheme yeah. but in a good way it's a good pyramid <laughs> yeah yeah so what's that flavor like what's the flavor on the top of your of your tongue when you immediately so add? this uh this is made using probably my favorite yeast Uh, it's an abbey yeast from uh, belgium which kind of how do i describe it um it's it's in brewing terms you use the word funky okay okay but it's very hard to describe that is it like uh, uh, what you mean by umami is to food got it got it got it. got it that that kind of uh, pungent savoriness yeah, it's a little pungent it's a little bit savory uh it's it's very iconic of trappist beers from belgium so these are very old yeasts that have been propagated from the 1600s or earlier even for example something like wine stefano they've been using the same yeast strain the same family of yeast from 1010 ad wow wow the brewery is still running to to date it's the oldest successfully running continually running brewery on the planet and they still use the same yeast it, it probably tastes almost exactly as it did then back then they didn't understand what yeast was at that time but they so still kept ge- it alive ge- yeah so ge- germany has this law called the reinheitsgebot okay which dictates that you can only use at that point when it started off in 1516 
when it started off, it dictated that you can only use malt, hops, and water. Or at that point, it was gruit, not hops, uh, which was whatever spices they could use at that time, which would act as preservatives and flavor profile. Okay. Which evolved to include specifically hops because they worked out best for, for beer. Uh, and there's a long history behind that. If I go off on that tangent, it'll be another three hours. So I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> That's but to they didn't know about yeast. Yeah. <laughs> the next part. Uh, but they, they didn't know uh, about yeast. So yeast was not included in that. Was it known as, uh, did they know back then that this is something that I can use in flour or alcohol to give a rising effect? They know what it does? Or was it yeah. completely a freak of nature for them? No, no, no. The, the, there was an understanding of what alcohol was, but not an understanding that there was a living microorganism that was creating. Oh, okay. Hmm. They knew what the fermentation process was. They knew that the sugars were being broken down and they knew that it was turning into alcohol, but they weren't aware of the yeast itself. Got it. I understand. Which then came about from uh, Louis Pasteur. That is pasteurization. Pasteurization. Mm -hmm. So he looked under a microscope and found with beer. The, the uh, misconception is that it was milk first. It was actually, it was actually beer. beer. It was actually beer. He found yeast first there. Interesting. And that's when the Reinheitsgebot then changed to include yeast. And then they started propagating the yeast. So now you have, well, homebrewers like me can pick up yeast that was used a thousand years ago. Because it's propagated on a commercial level. When you say you're using yeast, Help me understand how yeast works, okay? Just so we are on the same page. When you say you're using a yeast from thousand years ago, is it that um, that that I take maybe a small say there's this much yeast on a plate? I take this much and I culture it, and for thousand years I culture that yeast, and then I use that yeast to create more yeast. Is that how it works? Yep, that's exactly it. So you feed it, and it grows. It multiplies. It's a living organism. So you feed it sugar, and it grows. You can pick a strain of yeast and you can propagate that. And obviously there's so much science now that you can do whatever the fuck you want. There's a, there's a new yeast now called Quike that does, does the work instead of over two weeks, it does it over two days at 30 degrees. That's, it's been used, it's been cultivated in a lab. There's another one called Philly yeast, which takes some of the sugars and turns it into sour profiles. So you get sour beer without having to sour it over days and months. So like an IPA would be perfect with that. No, it's a sour beer. It's a completely different category. Okay, okay, okay. So beer is broken down into ales and lagers. Okay. And then ales are then broken down into the Belgian styles, IPAs, uh, sour beers, Flanders beers, um, and whatever else you can think of. Stouts come under this category as well. So do your Weizens, Weizen beers come under that? Come under this category. They're, they're all ales. And then lagers have pilsners and kolsch and a couple of other styles behind them as well. Stout is a lager? No, stout is an ale. Okay. That comes under that category. Okay. And again, it, it keeps subdividing. So you have ale yeast and lager yeast as two major separations. And then there's subcategories. Species, the species changes. Okay, got it, got and it, got it. Different, different flavor profiles. It's like indica sativa weed kind of a thing you could say. Exactly. And then you can have your blueberry stuff and then you can have your whatever other wheat stains are, I don't know. I don't yeah, know lemon cheese, cushions. <laughs> I've heard the names, but I don't I, I, I don't smoke weed at all, so I don't know much yeah, about you don't, it. You don't partake at all, right? I, the thing is, but every time I do, I pass out. There's no point. I, I sleep very well. I enjoy it. Mm. So maybe once a year or something, if, if some friend is having, I'll do it. 
But if, I have to be in my house. So you you're not, not no God, it's not a, it's, it's not like a like how are you with beer? It's more of a party thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's I I know that I'm going to sleep. That's the only problem. I don't I I don't I think I would enjoy it if I could stay awake. <laughs> no, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It is the the the, 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 the it doesn't interact with me properly. Everyone, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. I, like I'm not an alcohol guy. I can't have more than one pint, and it really gets messy for me. So I understand. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I love, I love, I love having a a sixty on the rocks whenever I go out yeah, yeah, yeah. and in a party. But uh, that'll also be once in two months. I choose not to drink right. more than that. But still, I, okay, okay. I love, I love booze. I love, I love people who drink booze, and I love the. That's why I wanted to have this conversation. But like you said, yeah. I'm more of a cannabis guy than a. Uh, mm-hmm. who, then a drinking guy. I think yeah. maybe my liver is not uh, a little fatty. <laughs> Probably because I I I I went I got a checkup once because I was not digesting rice very well, and he said your liver might not be good. And that's when I asked him, is it why? Right. I I I drink half twenty uh, ml, thirty ml of beer, and I've already got a buzz. So he said to me, your liver might oh, be nice. not good, you know. So oh, interesting. Yeah. It's not like I don't puke but, at all. Okay? Yeah, I don't puke. Yeah, I just yeah. get really buzzed in two, three sips. So, 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 what, what's your uh, take on legalizing weed in India? Is good is that question. ever going to be a thing? It's a good question. It's a great question. Um, it's a lot of because um, a lot of good reasons to do it. A lot of reasons to do it. Um, whether it is to, to to police it properly, whether it is to ensure that it's good product, whether it is yeah. to create an industry around it to tax it. Yeah, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll there are there are good things you. to do, and you can't OD on it. You can't. You can't. Yeah, you physically I'll, cannot OD on it. Yeah, I'll give you an analogy. Um, maybe that'll help you understand better. Like, imagine 15 years ago, if um, someone had pitched IPL to the general cricket masses, loving masses, they would be like, "Fuck you." Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck are you saying, bro? I want my Sachin for ten overs. I yeah. want my Sehwag for ten overs, and then I want the test match. I want a yeah. test match. You know, I want to see Australia yeah, yeah. getting thrashed for four twenty over thirty overs. <laughs> so um, back then, if you had pitched the idea to the BCCI or the general populace or the government, they would have all been like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Now. You can't imagine life without it. You can't imagine life without it. Like the population can't imagine a fifty overs match. The BCCI can't imagine their business without IPL and IPL is yeah. the funding and money, and the government can't imagine a year without IPL. Hmm. Even though unless the, they have an election and then they ask they ask the IPL to fuck off. Good, good. Even <laughs> then they, they can't they can't imagine the without IPL. It'll still happen in yeah. Dubai, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another one. <laughs> so I think our next podcast we're gonna get more into the types of beers and more into cricket. Yeah. In this podcast, I want to get to know you as an individual and introduce you as a person, mindsets and my, the mindset that you've had and your story. In the next one, we'll deep dive into it. So, um, love to, love to, love to. Yeah. Uh, so I think, like you, you realize right that the BCCI tested was ahead of their time also. It was way ahead of their time, right? Yeah. And so imagine uh, Lalit Modi. Lalit Modi. So imagine Lalit Modi in, in the first pitch when he's pitching IPL. How he must have been yeah. like shunned. Versus mm. now, so I think it's the same with cannabis, right? Um, the only difference is that it's got a like cricket was never taboo. Cannabis is extremely yeah. taboo. So it's like what you said, Karan. First, grassroots level, the mindset mm. has to change. Right now, in major metropolitan cities in India, the mindset has changed. Yeah. Next, you will see. So, so you see a movement in India for legalization. 
is 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 there is there someone talking about see there are there are hashtags and there are these one or two organizations mm-hmm. but because of how um scarily corrupt the indian government can be like if i speak yeah. up i might go missing yeah. tomorrow and my parents don't have the money to bring my case to light yeah or do yeah, i have yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of connections so these things hamper uh, growth in india the same way that it would mm. in in latin america yeah right it's still illegal in latin america it's it a, is illegal yeah. right it's, it's, because, it's the same thing about the home brewing conversation we were having before. it's the same thing we were about the home brewing conversation right 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 right, right 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 so there's that fear that inherent fear of inherent what fear. if someone finds out what if what someone is. sees the street exactly so right. that way uh, the government i mean see i hate the government as much as i think that it takes brains to control a 1.8 billion population it takes brains it takes smarts it also uh, takes balls to do it the way that they do it we'll fuck you but we'll make you watch exactly right uh, it's like they they'll take your 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 the love of your life to the bedroom and make you watch while they go at it you know that's the indian government so that's the that's the legalization scene i feel bro i feel like till our parents are not dead and i'm speaking from a more anthropological point of view not like offense yeah, yeah. till that generation it's the generation that needs to needs to pass on it's the generation that needs to go away yeah our generation needs to become old and the generation after us needs to be setting the mainstream voice right that's when the legalization argument will start again mm-hmm. right now it's uh the legalization argument is a conversation people are having it is not a society but in, level in hushed tones behind closed doors correct hushed tones behind right. closed doors of those housewarming parties mm-hmm. um, i feel like once the next generation that is the people the people the kids right now who are doing tiktok videos when their kids use their tiktok yeah. i see this conversation becoming more of a thing then but at the same time i personally believe right now if i don't know if you've seen my face mask it says this is a mind control device uh, <laughs> i believe Let's right now there is a global attack on consciousness um, mm-hmm. i feel like all the countries around the world realize that the society has become a little too woke and mm. it's time to put the the horse blinders on the horse again yeah 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 so for the next i think 20 years which is why you know there's such an attack on masculinity there's such an attack on the mm-hmm. wokeness there's such an attack on people who want to do the what they want to P- do the pc culture the pc culture everyone's yeah. at home it's like the first question mm-hmm. that you started with right you said that i can't wait to get out of this lockdown yeah. i personally don't think it's we're going to go back to what it was ever any semblance of normality yeah it's never going to happen i think we have entered a stage where um, the new normal is here and society is going to be like this going forward our kids for all you know this will be a normal for them like mm. world war 2 is not a normal for us but it was a normal for that generation you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. so uh, the reverse the, the world was never the same after that the world was never the same so yeah i don't see and it's it's a beautiful like if i was a government president and i wanted to control my population i would pat mm-hmm. myself on the back for pulling off something like this but mm-hmm. as an individual who wants to live on this planet free and uh and wants to live autonomous to the government and the currency you have your bullshit filters on i have my bullshit filters on i think for individuals like us it's going to be a crisis of identity for the next 20 years we could either give mm. in or we could fight it out and like you said no when yeah. you were doing waiter job at our create that revolution of sorts create that revolution of sorts you said yeah. right your friends all alienated themselves from you that will happen 
uh, a vast majority of the society will call us like Steve Jobs was known as an idiot and people hated him and thought he was weird mm-hmm. for a good 20 years before the Steve Jobs yeah, yeah, came yeah, yeah, out, yeah. those two movies came out and the startup culture became what it is and he became a mm-hmm. god and he, and he died right yeah so I see but he was the stinky hippie that never showered before that he was a stinky hippie now that never showered before that right so I feel like we are at a crossroads right now where it could either go this way where mm-hmm. Uh, where the wokeness continues or it go this way where people just give in and say, you know what? I've had enough. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm done. Yeah. So do, I, do, do you find, do, do you find like, say, say for example, Modi tweeting all this nonsense that he does sometimes. Do you think that the younger generation is getting influenced by that? I'll tell you. Or are they Great looking question. at it as, as, as this old cut that's just saying whatever the fuck he wants to say? I'll say, I'll tell you. I, I think, um, I'll answer this using another analogy. I think there are less people mm-hmm. who are afraid to get the coronavirus because of the health implications of it than the social implications of it. That is the becoming a social leper. Mm-hmm. Think about it. I'm pretty pretty sure you are not afraid to get COVID. You're afraid of what people will think and how they'll alienate you if you get COVID. For me, it's a little bit of both because uh, as a smoker, I know my lung capacity is already a little bit low. <laughs> Genuinely yeah, ask a yourself a question. But no, I, 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 get, I, I get what you mean. It's got a less than 0.9% mortality rate in our age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how we are sold this virus is that everyone's dying. It's got hmm. a less than 0.9% mortality rate in our age group. What that means is out of a room of 100 people, uh, one person might die or less than that. Less than that. One person might yeah. have a chance of dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and that is if he is not healthy. Yeah, if right. there's an underlying health condition. If there's under- an underlying yeah. health condition, like if he has leukemia but, or bone marrow cancer so or something like that. The, the the one thing that I'll add to that though, particularly sure, sure. with COVID now, sure, sure, is now in India specifically, ninety nine point nine percent of people at our age group live with their parents. So you don't want to get it because you might give it to your older parents or Correct. your grandparents. That's where I feel like but, it is another uh, another mind control thing. Where hmm. uh, knowing that this Indian population, unlike the Western population, where they move out and have that thing, India, you don't really have that. Yeah. I feel like that's another mind control thing. Okay. I feel mm-hmm. like, see, I'll tell you what I mean. Um, there is a difference between uh, the mainstream, narr- mainstream narrative and the experiential narrative. What I mean right. by that is before you went out and experienced the alcohol and culture that like you did hands on, and you experienced Arbor in India, you had a, 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 a narrative mindset. That means someone had told you it's like that. And you experienced your, your, uh, your construction of reality of how the waiter's life is and how their, the serving staff's life is was based on that narrative. It's only once you experienced it that you got the experiential reality, right? Yeah. Now, I had this one question. I'm like, uh, during Amitabh Bachchan's uh, uh, grandchild's birth, they had uh, tiger level security in their home. That means you get like presidents of other countries get that kind of security. In yeah, yeah, yeah. But journalists were still able to. When you have photos. diplomatic immunity only, then that, that correct. Falls like case. Edward Snowden yeah, yeah, yeah. and those guys get these kind. Of, but the NDTV guys were still able to get a picture of the inside the house. You're right. telling me there's not one reporter out there who's been able to get a picture of a COVID ward with patients and dead patients. Not one photo of it on the internet anywhere. Right? So that's what got me thinking. I can understand that the government probably does not allow people inside because they're like, you don't have to get COVID and this, that. Mm -hmm. But 
it's a great excuse to create suppression of information across various levels we are not getting photos of so now you you you're saying that globally though i'm saying that globally because right. uh, i have a friend in france um mm-hmm. whose uh, uh, mom had gone sorry a dad had gone for a certain i think tumor or something like that right uh, but they said next day they said he has covid few days later he's dead there is no oh, autopsy sure, done man. on his body because covid yeah covid during the entire oh, covid fuck. time those 3 months of lockdown march april may ha, 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 ha. no body was allowed autopsy fucking hell so think of all the cases that were pronounced dead because of covid which gave birth to those numbers that people are dying mm-hmm. because of covid that were not actually because of covid but another health issue fucking hell so that's why i don't believe the covid mortality numbers and which is why i don't have that fear of covid dying and i believe that the whole thing is just a way to keep you indoors tell your boss be careful so i've had only one person whose father didn't have any other uh, health issue and uh, died maybe because of covid but that's one out right. of the 15 20 people who i've spoken to whose family someone died because covid but they had another health issue mm-hmm. so uh so i believe that there is a narrative uh, a mainstream narrative that's narrated and told by someone who believe in this and there's one which you experience yeah. and say like i believe that we, like you said we doesn't get you high that is right now a narrative that you've been told it's only when i've experienced it that we doesn't really sorry not high addicted it's like what yeah. you said right now from an experiential point of view i can say that weed itself is not addictive but the smoking habit is addictive mm. right so similarly um i believe that till you have a generation of not just the mainstream indian audience who is watching your ted the stoner and your stoner flicks mm-hmm. but even your normal audience who is on tiktok and laborers sons and all it's only once they get to understand that weed is yeah. not bad and, and they're able to question it and they're, they're able, able to, to experience it and question it experience it and question it that i feel as like a legalization movement will become pan india not just metro cities mm-hmm. so that's how i would like to answer your question i think right now we are at a crossroads where society can give in to this whole covid narrative and if it does we are screwed <laughs> and the whole thing happened in india right with all the actors getting locked up because of weed and sushant singh rajput so whole sushant singh rajput there's an actor who committed suicide and then they realized that his uh-huh. death might have been abetted because of the people who were supplying him drugs don't want to be get get caught and then a lot of oh, these fuck. bangalore act uh, sorry bollywood actors and uh, their dealers and their peddlers started getting fir cases or cases to appear in front of the irs and in front of the drug court because mm-hmm. they were uh, suspicions of using cannabis it's all weed weed and chang huh? hash so you had covid lockdown. but actually there are a lot of hard drugs in bollywood everyone knows that yeah so i feel like it's all it's all a narrative because for that good 3 4 months even in a city like bangalore which is known for its relaxed cannabis culture a lot mm-hmm. of the peddlers were caught i think a good 60 70% of peddlers were put behind bars oh fuck right a, a huge chunk of the mafia had has taken control of the selling and the prices have skyrocketed 30 30% so in the back already so of, expensive for such a product correct for such a product it's already so expensive so you can see right there is a lot of things happening in the back end lot of people who were mm. willing to sell because it's like how you say right alcohol for me is a culture a lot of people in mm. india for whom weed is a culture and not a business who were selling to their friends etc they have stopped yeah. fear of fear of being put behind bars a lot of the peddlers who have shifted from come from their small towns like odisha madhya pradesh andhra and all mm-hmm. to these big cities to sell they have gone back because they don't want to be jailed so oh. there is a war on this thing that's happening yeah, 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 yeah. 
so that's where i come from i feel like i personally feel like the only thing that legalization will do is it will give you quality product but at the same time there mm-hmm. is government regulation there so tomorrow yeah. imagine government says something like i will not allow weed with thc to be sold i'm screwed because i can only get <laughs> yeah right it's like imagine a government in in the uk that says that stouts are not sold anymore it's not allowed anymore yeah so something like that can happen or so is only non alcoholic it's not only non alcoholic alcohol allowed or only yeah, yeah, alcohol yeah. below 3 3% abv mm-hmm. so while you have given the government the control of making these decisions you're also allowing them to choose what can be sold and not sold yeah. so that way i feel cannabis should not be legalized i feel it should be illegal sorry i feel it should not be illegalized i should i feel it should be not criminalized but just not, allowed it should be decriminalized yeah 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 you know what i mean it's at, like, le- at least decriminalized yeah it's what happened in south america it's what happened in argentina I was, I was i was about to mention did you see the stuff that they did in uh, portugal yeah they they didn't legalize they it they decriminalized everything they decriminalized everything and it led to the yeah. r- rising uh, you you are you are treated as mentally ill if you are if you are addicted to meth or cocaine you're not treated as a criminal you're treated as mentally ill yeah so you see right like it's it's a smart way of doing it it also has its own implications like how do of you course. how do you uh, how do you know whether they are actually mentally ill or not yeah how do you differentiate between a mental but it's so much better than the current it doesn't so have to be a perfect system yeah it is so much better than a better system it's so much better than uh, than uh, putting them behind bars without any yeah. any road for recovery yeah because when they come back out then they relapse then they relapse Whereas in this yeah here, here it is complete rehabilitation yeah exactly it's, it's they they do the same thing in norway as well have you jails seen the jails are, in norway the jails are all rehab centers yeah the the jails look like my apartment man it looks yeah. better than my apartment yeah you have hamburgers and all sold you got a tv and shit yeah you got a tv a full bed a room to yourself you come out of there willing to get a job and willing to to work yeah rather than in the us where everyone that is i think what is it some something something silly like 80% of people that get left out of jail go back because it's you 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 just incarcerating people for the sake of incarcerating exactly bro you got it spot on they they they're going in for a smaller for a small crime they're coming out as bigger drug lords they're coming out as bigger mafiosos uh, criminals than they were before exactly they they've gone in for shoplifting they're coming out ready to murder yeah murder and arson so you got it spot on yeah. you got it spot on i think what should happen is um leave it in a gray area leave it in my gray area exactly you should just decriminalize it and set a few norms of what can be done cannot be done uh with regard to police and on it should completely not be policed it's like sex bro you can't police sex right <laughs> you can never like imagine a a, a a government that says you can only have sex in these positions do, do, at these times yeah. do, do, do you know where the word fuck comes from fornication consent of king right i think <laughs> under, under consent of under king. consent of king right so so imagine that like la- yeah. sparking a joint under consent of government so yeah, 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 yeah. so what it does is if i'm going to mumbai and i want to buy weed there i can buy mm-hmm. weed without being uh, uh, um, without having to go to a shady place and i know i will get a certain yeah. level but it's not quality. going to be a shop it's not going to be a shop yeah yeah right if right, it's, right, right. It, exactly and but what happens so it's it's a it's like a it's like a double edged sword bro it's like if i give the control of my life to my parents i know they will make decisions and i will get my meal at the end of the day i will get married to a nice girl but it's going to be their decisions yeah 
that's why at i what, don't at, at what point do you have the freedom then at what point do i have the freedom if the government is telling me i can smoke this at this time like this way mm. how much freedom which is I like have? which is very likely what would happen it is exactly what in, in india loves its curfews Yeah, it's exactly. So you can only smoke weed before six and six p.m. Yeah, you can only smoke weed before six p.m. You can only smoke this much weed. You can only, only on the weekends. Only on the weekends, <laughs> and it'll be like you can't o- smoke alternate days. What, what was that? Delhi, Delhi had that nonsense, right? One, one odd numbers, zero. even number nonsense. One and zero, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that is, I think, what the government will do. So, I honestly believe it should not be. It should be like a, a like private institutions and education centers. you have to give 10th pass but how they do it is up to them right right so similarly i feel like a, a a local government or a local local health organizations and local medical organizations or the aims should decide what needs to be done as opposed to the government that's yeah. where i come from i like that i like that idea a lot it'll never happen but i like the idea it's never going to happen <laughs> uh, because you will need individuals like you and me to join the government and i will never going to no one's going to ever do no that chance. so no because of multiple levels of nepotism as, as a kid stuff. i wanted to really yeah my mom told me this story uh, i don't remember it apparently i was 3 or 4 years old uh, at preschool and i told my principal of the preschool that i wanted to become president because i wanted to clean up the country apparently so you you you've had this uh, idea of wanting to uh, uh, help help <laughs> and give to others what you've had i think yeah. that's been i think a big driver for you right to give to others what mm. you have definitely I, i i want enough for myself anything more than that can be given yeah it's very oh, like um, ratan tata is way of looking at it <laughs> he he was an inspiration i desperately wanted to work for taj when i was uh, between the ages of 18 and 2022 desperately wanted to work for taj just just because of tata because of the guy that he is Do you think? Uh, do you think if uh, you would want to bring a beer brand to India, you'd like to do it with Tata? Considering the how they have the treated Starbucks, considering yeah. how they have treated treated Starbucks and kept Starbucks as a good brand, good quality brand in India. Yeah. He did the same thing with Jag as well. With Jag bought, as well, bought, Range Rover as well. Yeah. If I could, yeah, that'd be would be fun. <laughs> nice to dream about things like that. <laughs> I mean this this podcast is a place for dreaming bro I like to keep yeah, this yeah. place as a place for dreaming So Karan Nagpal I think this was fantastic I learned so much yeah, about man, you was, that I that didn't know Yeah yes yeah, same here Well <laughs> like like you said we only met about four or five times uh, unfortunately uh, Unfortunately yeah But we will fix I'll be uh, I should hopefully be back home in in September uh providing restrictions and vaccines But You're coming for uh, a while or like for a holiday couple of weeks unfortunately can't be longer than that dude for sure uh, we will we will do probably a live podcast then face to face you know what i mean yeah dude that'll be fun like you me a buddy three of us together yeah 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 uh, absolutely love to do that that'll be great so karan uh, i wanted to discuss so much more but i think uh, a, a second podcast where now you've gotten comfortable with my format and i have gotten to know you and how um uh, comfortable you are with telling your story so i think i can we can have a second podcast where i want to talk about the kind of beers you like what you think remember the first question i asked you when we started this podcast is the anthropological cultural significance yeah. of alcohol so i want to explore more of that like how you might love to do a deep dive on that right? like you know you know there's this there's this theory called the stone ape theory which says uh there was a monkey which 
probably pop mushrooms or consumed cannabis which led to the development of its prefrontal cortex which led to development of consciousness and stuff like that so yeah, i love that i love you know, that yeah so i want to dive into shit like that so imagine Definitely. something like that from an alcohol point of view like how you told yeah. me right that society which was probably more like you know straightforward probably became more free and more exploring of one another because of something like alcohol which created yeah. those libations uh, well, there's a lovely uh, narrative that creates this the, the the nomad to the settler and how alcohol helped with that um, and i'd love to love love to dive into uh, theories like that uh, that should be sure. that's the next topic that we're going to do we will so sure, here's man. how i've planned season 2 i've planned to do 10 episodes with 10 people and then i've planned yeah. to bring them back for another like part 2 of season 2 where we go even yeah. further so you have propped in for episode 6 that means you're going to be back for yep. episode 12 i mean i mean right? fantastic for sure so karanathpal thank you so much for coming do you have yeah. any thank, thank uh, you so much man any time bro I've, it's been an honor for me to have someone who knows so much about their craft and i respect people who know their shit in and out um before we end this podcast i usually like to have a rapid fire that i do with the guests who come Okay. Uh, it's just going to be random questions I'll throw at you. And right. I want you to take 3 4 seconds and just answer whatever comes to your mind. Instinctual. Instinctual. I don't want you to overthink right. it because I think if you okay. overthink it you're putting a filter. I want no filters here. Okay. That's hard for me. I like overthinking. Right. <laughs> fire, fire, fire. Awesome. So, Karanakpal, are you ready for the rapid fire? Um, as ready as I will be, I think. Are you ready for the rapid fire, bro? Yes. Bring it on. Awesome. Um It's the end of a tough work week. Would you be more willing to have a pepperoni pizza, chicken beef, or pepper pepperoni based on what you have, or would you be more willing to have something like a shepherd's pie? Ooh, uh, pizza. If you had to take uh, someone out and have a beer to or have an alcohol to celebrate with them, would you have your favorite beer or a glass of their favorite something? The other person's definitely fantastic. um if you had to choose between setting up an organization where you get to do what you want but have no control over others versus an organization where you get to set what others do but have no room for yourself which one would you choose the first one nice um do you see yourself as someone raising kids because you want to have kids or raising kids because you want to uh maybe create you- more you that have your values and can bring more goodness to the world neither would you see yourself as someone who wants to help governments or someone who wants to help people people goku versus superman who would win in a fight and why oh uh goku cuz he can keep fucking getting stronger there's there's more of a there's more growth that that's possible for him in in my mind understood would you say um would you say tomorrow if a friend reaches out to you and says not a friend an acquaintance you haven't spoken to in a long time reaches out to you and says i need help uh, i want to say come to where you are i probably need a shout out or i need a recommendation this is not an individual you have stayed in touch for too long but they're asking for your mm-hmm. help would you help them out or would you reconsider what would your thought i would help but with a couple of conditions i'd i'd want to see a cv and i'd want to know what they wanted so i could help them better i need information got it so you would be willing to help it's not like you would say i don't 100% know 100% i will take all the time out to to help anyone that wants it 
Got it. If uh, how do you deal with uh, people who piss you off? Ignore them. If you if you had to uh, solve two problems in the world, one is a problem that is on a consciousness and spiritual level, and yeah. a problem that's more on a existential level that is like day to day, nine to five kind of level. What kind of problems would you solve? Want to solve? Oh, that's an excellent question. Uh, existential, because I think that will lead to consciousness being changed as well. Got it. Are you someone who um, does things and analyzes them after doing it and then redoes them better, does them better, or are you someone who likes to understand and have a game plan and then stick to that game plan and do things by that game plan? Usually a bit of both, but I found myself being more organized as I get older. More of the second as you get older, yes. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, are you someone who would be absolutely hundred percent honest with someone? um but end up maybe breaking their heart and breaking that relationship or are you someone who would save that honesty to save that relationship i'd rather be honest got even it. if it costs cost cost something i would still rather be honest got it do you believe that mask the way we are sold masculinity today is the right masculinity to men i'm not talking about women to men be a man That's get a one... job do this that I don't think that's sold anymore. I don't think that's the narrative anymore. I I I I think that you're able to to embrace a, a certain level of metrosexuality. Nice, I like that. But, um, particularly with me, because uh, I'm effectively a house husband, man. My wife's doing all the work. She's she's gonna be a millionaire. She's gonna change the world. I'm sitting and working at a bar or working at a brewery. I'm I'm doing it. the dishes. I'm I'm doing the laundry. I'm cleaning the house. I'm doing that stuff. It's like a role reversal and yeah, I, I don't think it's a role reversal. I just think that she's got more important things to do and I can do this. Ah, so you're not seeing, you're not seeing this as a woman's role and a man's role. You're like, whoever has to do what has to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. Are you more of a PC guy or a Xbox and a console guy? Unfortunately, neither. Uh, I've not, I haven't been, I haven't gamed at all since my PS2 back home. Um, I think I'm the kind of guy that wants to go outside uh, every time I'm given an opportunity. So that's part of it. Test, test match or ODIs? Test, definitely. Uh, test, <laughs> a test uh, in India versus England match at Lords or an India test match at Lords or an India versus uh, England test match at a, at your favorite stadium in India. And you get to watch it live. You get to watch it live. Yeah. Currently, Lords, because I want to see India beat England in Lords. We've not done it yet. We've done it once in the last twenty-eight years. So, Karunakpal, that was the rapid fire of. That was fun, dude. Really enjoyed that. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to the next one. I think the next episode, like I said, um, we're gonna go much more deeper into the cultural significance, anthropological significance, and I want to talk a lot about your cricket as well because I'm not very well well versed in cricket. Like I, I haven't followed any of the last games in the last four or five years at least. Yeah. But when we go down and play with the apartment kids, I'm one of the people batting and bowling. So excellent. Yeah. That's what I have. That's yeah. what I have. So, Look, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I can talk I've, cricket for days. Fantastic. So, Karan, any closing thoughts for the people? Um, anything that you'd like to say about the time that you spent here? Anything that you'd like to say to the people who want to come in the future and be like, I don't know if I want to do this podcast. I would encourage every single person that you approach 
to do something like this because just to be able to share your thoughts like this on a platform like this is fucking incredible uh, and you are setting it up beautifully i love i love the mic the, the the headphones the background it's just it's it's perfect i love it uh, and i and i wish you all the fucking success dude i i, I wish you a million subscribers as quickly as fucking possible thank you so much thank you so much and any thoughts like you'd like to leave people with like <clears> for example <throat> any mindset that you think people should keep in like if you had to give a word of advice to the people who will watch this episode directly i would like this to be your space pursue whatever the fuck you want don't let anyone tell you otherwise you can go on a rant bro this is your like i give you 5 minutes to I, say i want to keep it simple no, i, I, I want to keep it simple that's that's the only thought that i would like to pass on to future generations and that's the only thought that i'd like to tell my friends my my acquaintances my brothers friends who come to me for advice my neighbors who come to me for advice just pursue whatever the fuck you want be be passionate about what you do everything every little thing in life be as passionate as you can be i want to see your you with a t-shirt that says that one day pursue whatever <laughs> the fuck you want and i'm going to buy one of those from you that's a good one dude i, I, I might actually do that. <laughs> yeah i think making merch is a little cheaper in the uk because you get better oh, access to textile guys and all <laughs> if you are ma- if you are making this merch make sure that you take care of the shipping charges and send me one <laughs> oh for sure for sure for sure so thank you karan for joining this was fun this was fantastic yeah. this was frothy thank you <laughs> perfect looking forward uh, thank to you so much for having me dude that was that was a blast chal you have a I nice will. day dude bye you as well see you soon